Welcome everyone, it's that time again, where the world is in love and we're telling our friends. It's Valentine's Day, so you know what that means. The Cage Crew is back with the podcast of your dreams. But before we jump into this week's episode, here are a few things that you should know. Girl hot. <laughs> um, girlfriend hot. I don't know many of these. Uh, if you were a lollipop, I would consume you and gain cavities. If you were a dog, I'd pet the shit out of your belly. Um, Can you stop? I can't breathe. Okay. Catch your breath, sweetie. <laughs> I love you, you asshole. While we know this anime is rather old, there are spoilers ahead, so you're not left in the cold. There may be strong language, not sure if you care, but just in case that offends you, you'd better beware. I like to give her multiple takes, so can we do it just one more time? Just, I, I pro- I'll get you ice cream, I promise. <laughs> Jennifer is trying to bite my face off. <laughs> You better keep that in the file recording. (laughs) Finally, everyone's opinions are their own. It's not the whole podcast, so we'll make that known. (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't be laughing because you're being really cute. Are we at the flirty part now? I think we're at the part where you flirt. I don't know how to do this. Awkward. It's okay. I believe in you. You're. Do- you can do it. My cuteness. <laughs> I'm awkward. All right, lovers. The show must go on. So please enjoy the dub talk for Yona of the Dawn. Hey, Gigi. What? Good luck with the show today, honey. You're ridiculous. You're unridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> That sounded so evil. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of love-stricken dragons get together and discuss the latest and greatest in English dubs. I am Princess Stephanie, and tonight I am joined by the Dragon Warriors, the White Dragon Gigi. Rar means I love you in dinosaur. God damn it. <laughs> Get your hot topic bullshit out of here. <laughs> we have the green dragon warrior, Megan. Hey, Gigi, is your favorite album the sixth one by White Snake? <laughs> Slide it in. <laughs> and we also have the blue dragon warrior, Noah Clue. <laughs> You're not even going to say anything after that? It makes, By the way, no, no, yeah, because it makes sense. If you've seen the show, the blue dragon doesn't uh, speak. You're right. Actually, you're where right. are my bells? Where I got bells the here. The yellow so dragon blue. warrior will here not be appearing until the very end of this episode. <laughs> God damn it. Whoops. Oh, I wonder what we're talking about tonight, guys. Mm. Who let him out of the cage? Oh, Lord. Together, the four of us will be braving the harsh landscape that is... Valentine's Day. Oh no! Dun, 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 dun. No! Now with 
Now with 100% less people who are lonely and single on this episode. Yay! Holy shit, what happened? Holy shit. What the fuck happened? (laughs) One year ago. One year ago, only one person was in a relationship in this four- He was in a relationship so hard, he had a physical manifestation around his finger. (laughs) You see, we had this idea. It was called the Avengers Initiative. (laughs) (laughs) The Date Avengers Initiative. The Date Avengers Initiative. So, okay, in this initiative. The the plan was to bring together a team of dragon warriors and to- Who are really horny. Get really the, you the, see, the, the dragons ho- are an endangered species, and we really need to get this breeding program started. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's time for the dragon-based sequel to Darling in the Franks. Face down, <laughs> ass up, that's the way we like to fuck. Ladies and gentlemen, the four horny, I mean horned dragons. Give them a round of applause. What the hell? Brought you a great start, boys and girls. I mean, this isn't this isn't even that bad a show. This is the least thirstiest I've ever been. <laughs> Look on the bright side. At least this time, when someone gets locked in a cage, they actually remember that's an awful thing to do to somebody. <laughs> what anyway. are you saying about my Saturday nights? <laughs> DJ anyway. was drinking hot cocoa. Holy shit. Anyway. In this desolate wasteland of chocolate cards and mushy stuff, it's time to face off in our annual Valentine's Day episode. And if you're wondering why Gigi isn't hosting it like she has in the past... I got outvoted. Well, it's because, one, we couldn't find anything trashy enough. And I refuse to watch Peach Girl. (laughs) I I refuse to watch Peach Girl and or Suzuka. And two... No way in hell was I going to let anyone host tonight's episode. An episode five years in the making. Ah. Uh, also be holy shit, this show is five years old. Yeah, it is five years old, actually. Tonight we're going to be revisiting another series that was previously covered in an early vlog episode of Dub Talk. Yona of the Dawn, the 2014 series from Perot and licensed in North America by Funimation. Now, if you haven't heard of this series before... Don't worry, Yona- Perot doesn't remember it either. It's Fushigi Yugi, Yugi 2015. But good. It. It's Fushigi Yugi, but actually good. I can love I Fushigi please, Yugi. Don't talk to I me. Can I please read this summary? No, fuck you, mouth. mom. You, can't you could tell just me what cut to do. them all out in the editing process. You could just strip all of this out. <laughs> the I only could. thing she likes to strip for is her her horny <laughs> dragon, <laughs> Andrew. God damn it! Thank you for the setup, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our objective here, our objective is to help everyone listening on Valentine's Day feel less lonely. And I think you all are doing a very good job of that with your wit and funniness. So thank you, Lilac, for letting us off the leash. And I mean, if we're not good enough, you can always run down to your local sex shop and get the big, the great American challenge. What's that? (laughs) The the biggest, Gigi. What? what? Gigi, if you ever come down to Florida, I'm taking you to something called the Todd. (laughs) <laughs> okay. So many do- questions. <laughs> Not enough answers. Oh god. It is do you do you guys all want to know what the Todd is? Yeah. It's give a, us give us like the Cliff Notes version, please. TLDR, it's where you go to get your slut surprise. Okay. It's a sex stop. Nice. Obvi- yeah, okay. 
Oh. I mean, we didn't we didn't get the drag Noah into the one in Dallas either. So. Don't worry, this oh, one isn't furry so friendly. This one's unfortunately this one is we don't know is if it's furry friendly. Oh god. <laughs> anyway, can I please read this summary that is on the back of this sure. shirt that I have in my hands? Anyway, Yona is a typical teen, easily excitable, spoiled by her adoring father and the sitting princess of the Coca Kingdom. On her sixteenth birthday, she plans to tell her father, the kind king ill about her hidden love for her childhood friend, Suwon. But before she can confess her feelings, she stumbles upon her father being brutally murdered by none other than Suwon himself for the purpose of- I love Frozen! The purpose of ruling the kingdom. Oh, Yona, if only somebody loved you. Stop! Ruling the kingdom with a firmer hand. After the tragic discovery, <laughs> Yona and her bodyguard, bodyguard Sonhawk, must flee the kingdom and escape the wrath of Sumon's henchmen. Now, in order to reunite the Fallen Kingdom, Yona and Sonhawk are on the hunt for the four legendary dragons of Koka. Along the way, Yona must shed her royal air and learn to live by the sword and bow. Did you say the bodyguard? Bodyguard, And yes. I... Thank you for doing that so I didn't have to. We'll always love you! That is the song from the bodyguard, That's what right? The box it is. Right. Okay, is. good. It was either that or I want to dance with somebody, and I don't know no, the words, so I want to. Definitely not from the bodyguard. <laughs> good, because I've never anyway. actually seen the bodyguard. Oh, girl. Anyway. No. No, no. Anyway. I feel like I'm missing out on a great American tradition by not watching the bodyguard. Shut no, the no, no. fuck up. No, 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 no. Yona's got the great American bodyguard. He just happens to be unavailable right now. They're Korean, dumbass. Uh, Okay, fine, fine. We're gonna remake the Great American Hero, and we're going to make it instead of the Great Korean Hero. God damn it! Anyway, as always, we're gonna be covering much of the cast, from performances to casting and beyond. It's time to follow the Crimson Dragon King and her dragon warriors. Who's ready to join me? Tonight we dine in hell. <laughs> I, I, but it has a dessert, right? Yeah. Okay, that's if you get, like melt honey on me, that's all I want. Oh, that, baby. Gigi, where do you think Devil's Food Cake comes from? Oh, anyway, we're going to kick things off with the ADR directors, the assistant director, and our script writers. This is a very interesting situation that we have with the staffing. So the dove of Yon of the Dawn, it actually was among one of the first of the larger expanded broadcast dub programs back in 2015. Um, and how it was dubbed at the time it's one of two that actually went with its second half hey. instead of starting from the beginning. Hilariously, both were Studio Perot shows. Yep, the other being Tokyo Ghoul Route A. And nothing bad ever happened about that production, ever. I, I mean, in Tokyo Ghoul Route A, at least you can say there was a split between seasons. Yona was even weirder because Yona is actually a two-core show. Just So it was a little weird at the time. Yeah, but, like, um, it's really weird, too, because I don't even think the second core of Yona doesn't even start until, like, episode 14, if you're technically being correct. Yeah, you're I right. Think they started... it's yeah, because, like, yeah, they yeah, started on it's, 14, four, it's 13 episodes for the first half, and then 11 episodes in the second half. Yeah, it's like somebody at Perot forgot how math fucking works. <laughs> it's all good. But, um, and you can tell anyway. where each core starts is because it's when the opening changes, and despite these three thinking the second opening's better, they're wrong, the first one is. Incorrect. The second opening by far outshines the first. The, here, here's, here's the correct answer. But there answer. is no terms, opening for the first half. You know what? You can suck on your own dick, Noah. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. You can suck my dragon dip from now to the end of the podcast. But that's Jenny's <laughs> job. 
Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. This is going to be one of those nights, isn't it? I'm dragging anyway. every one of your boyfriends into... Uh, oh, wait, no, I can't because they're my friend. D damn it. See, when it comes to the art of the dunk, you can't be a Yona. You have to go full Suwon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When it comes to the anyway. art of the dunk, you, you, you kill you someone's father. Anyways, so to kick things off, I'm going to cover the writers first. So we got three writers, one more than likely is being seen as the head writer, though, for the series. Um, that being Monica Rial, who has written scripts for series such as Birdie the Mighty Decode, Keijo, and Tokyo Ghoul. Our other two writers for 13 episodes, we have Emily Neves, who has written, se written for series such as Double Decker, uh, Hioka, and Snow White with the Red Hair. And for eight so eight episodes, we have Jeremy Kratz, who has written for series such as Izetta the Last Witch, My Hair Academia, and Servamp. Now, the inter more interesting part, I would say, in the staffing front is and here's where shit gets really confusing. This is where shit gets confusing, so strap yourselves in, kids. So, I'm going to, in terms of chronological order, I'm going to start with the broadcast dub release and how that was staffed. Okay. So for episodes 13 to 24, the ADR director of the show was Colleen Clinkenbeard, who has been director for series such as My Hero Academia, The Rolling Girls, and Steinsgate. The assistant ADR director at that time was Clifford Chapin, who has also been the assistant director for series such as My Hero Academia, The Rolling Girls, and Servamp. And then when Funimation went back to record the first half of the show, Clifford Chapin took over as director full-time. And as a full-fledged director, he has done he has directed other series such as Planetarian, Konohana Kitan, and Gosek. So if you're very confused, welcome to this weird amalgamation of staffing. Don't worry, we all are. <laughs> uh, don't worry, we all were. Um, but bottom line, in terms of a consistent director, Clifford Chapin is in there throughout, whether it's as the lead director or the assistant during the second half of the show. It's like everybody's shouting, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. Anyway, to kick things off, let's go with Noah. What are your thoughts on the directing and writing of the show? So because of the uh, fact that this wasn't a show that I had intended to watch until the Valentine's episode, I did not watch it while it was being broadcast. So I didn't watch it uh, in dub in the reverse order, like season two in dub and then season one in dub. I watched the whole thing straight through chronologically with the dub, unaware of the dub breaks in terms of when they dubbed it. And it's pretty consistent. I, I give full props for a show that has a very definitive character arc for our lead character, but has lots of smaller parts that come in and out throughout the show. It's pretty consistent. The direct, All the characters are directed in a way that it doesn't feel like there's too many breaks in between the recording sessions. And everyone has a pretty consistent writing style, because this is a show that takes place in, like, I, I want to say medieval, but I know it's not the right term. It's it's an old world Korea, you know, before electronics and anything like that has come about. So everyone has a pretty regal speaking pattern if they're royalty. They have a basic speaking pattern if they're a rural character. There's no, there's not too many. Um, what let's see. Um, and what, what's that term that means? Uh, anachronistic. Anachronistic phrases. Thank you. None of that uh, I didn't hear too much of in here. It's all very consistent throughout. Um, I guess if I had nitpicks on a direction or the writing, it would simply be the way that some of the characters are cast in terms of, like, matching their personalities. That's going to come back into individual performances, and we'll get into that. But um, for one straightforward through adventure, comedy, drama, romance, turducken, it was pretty good throughout. I, I think it was um, 
just as good as the Japanese in terms of being an accessible entry into this weird period romance drama. I have not seen uh, Fushigi Yuki, so I don't know how this stacks up to that, but uh, this is certainly good. Can I go next? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Okay, cool. So uh, I'll get writing out of the way first. Um, the, weird, the weird thing about Yona of the Dawn is that Yona of the Dawn, if for people who don't generally know like what Yona of the Dawn is, is that essentially to me, Yona of the Dawn is the best show that Perot has put out in the last five years. Don't at yes. me. Don't at yes. you. Don't um, at me. Well, actually, if I may make it, no. Okay, look, Boruto Black Don't Clover, shut the no, fuck no. up and go in your corner. No, no, um, I, I mean, like, what's the competition? Okay, look, <laughs> right, like, what's we've, the competition? Like, we've literally described, like, Andrew and I have literally described other projects that Perot's worked on as Boruto is the kid that they actually give a shit about. Black Clover is their angry child who doesn't get enough attention. Mm-hmm. And Tokyo Ghoul Ri was a child in the corner sticking crayon up its nose. And then Yona was the good... Yona is the daughter that escaped to a good college. Um, (laughs) She escaped the family. She escaped the family. It's something Um, about red hair. There was no red-headed anime character that doesn't have a crappy upbringing, but gets a happy ending in the end. Okay, sure, Yuki kind of had a semi-decent upbringing. Her dad was just kind of a dick. Um, (laughs) Which, side note, I can't wait to start reading that manga. Yeah, thanks, Viz. Um, Thanks, Viz. No, but my thing is this. The writing is fine, uh, but the way the, the one thing I want to uh, do about this is that Yon of the Dawn is probably, arguably, what's considered one of the best contemporary shoujo manga out there. Yes. And one of the things I liked about the anime, from a writing standpoint, because even in the Japanese it was like this, because I actually watched Yona all the way through in the Japanese as it was airing. Like, so did I. Yeah, Steph and I have watched this entire show, like, three or four times. Like, I love... Like, this is by far one of the easiest shows in the world for me to marathon. Like, I could sit through the whole thing in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also gonna attempt to cosplay Yona for AVs. So and I still want to cosplay as Jiha. Uh, um, to which, name pronunciations is weird, but that's because I think across, like, every translation of Yona, whether it be the manga, the Crunchyroll subs, the Funimation subs, there is no consistent way to spell or say people's names. Like, no. that's just the series. That's not Funimation. Um, but my big thing is this. The writing on the show has the regal kind of sense that Noah says, but also has the personality of a shoujo manga that takes place in the contemporary day at times. And it doesn't bother me, which is really weird because usually when shows are period pieces, I get really annoyed by that. But for some reason in this dub, it just never did. However, this show has some of the most baffling direction choices I have ever <laughs> fucking seen. Now you're talking and about, it, you're not talking about the, the voice acting, you're talking about the show directing. No, I mean, like, the voice acting direction. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, this dub does not make sense. And it's like, (laughs) some of the casting choices are out of the box, but it's that weird double-edged sword where out of the box doesn't always work. And there's there's a couple of things on a technical level about this dub that just are really, really jarring. And one of these is going to sound really stupid to a lot of people, but it bothers the living fuck out of me. Okay. And that is this. Except for one character, every other, except for every, except for one character, every other male character in this show, when they are shown as a child and they talk, have a different actor. In fact, one of them has two different actors. 
And the second- I know where this is gonna go. Mm -hmm. Oh no. And let me- and I'm gonna go with this. The second actor for the person who has three actors should have been playing the the third version, the third actor's person, the whole fucking show! Um, angry. <laughs> I am very mad I mean, at the direction wrong, of this show. No, the fact you could catch that, that, that you could pick that out when everyone else would probably just brush it off as it just sounds sort of different, is really interesting. No, because it's really jarring because except for the person who has three of them, all of the other characters, when they have a little child version of themselves that's a boy, all of them are played by female actors. Except for one. one. The, which we'll get and, to. And we did not get to on this, very but I know jarring. exactly which one you're thinking of. And it is very, very jarring if you are somebody who pays attention to that. Because here's the other thing about all those child actors. All of them have very distinct voices and are very accomplished voice actresses. And that's, and here's the thing. For a lot of people, this isn't a nitpick. This isn't that big of a deal. And I probably sound like a nitpicky asshole. But here's the thing. Colleen and Clifford are some of the best directors at Funimation, and while I know this predates stuff like My Hero by a year, and a lot of other work they did, they should both know better. Okay, I'm gonna stop you right there. <laughs> stop. Cause in the, in the in the case of Cliff, this was his was, first direction. This, was, this he wasn't that experienced as a director yet. This okay, so then on Colleen, show, the defense of Clifford mm. Chapin, he was okay. not experienced. Clifford as a gets a little. I think because this is more on this, Colleen. He was the assistant for this roll, and Rolling Goes in the same season. Okay, and I think the only show prior to this that he directed was Dime a Dollar. All right, she should have known better. And here's the other thing about this. That one time where that at that particular character, though, uh, I don't even know if I can blame Colleen for this, too, because here's the thing. When that character appears, it's under when Cliff himself is directing the show and he's not the assistant. We're talking about the younger version, version of, of this character. Show. It's in the yep. first half of the show. That's okay. why I'm that's why I'm I'm going to be a little bit. I'm trying not to be like super harsh. You, but it right is, on that one, though. but it is, it, I mean, and here's the other thing too, is that I, there is one performance in this show where it's a bit like free, where for a lot of people, it's a completely fine and passable performance. I just don't like it at all. Like hmm. it's not bad, but it's just, I cannot get behind it. Okay. And yeah. here's the weird thing about the show, because the second half of the show was the one that came out first. Mm-hmm. All of the actors who are these major player characters, especially ones that date back to the very beginning of the series, Cliff can't change those actors for home video. I think on the on the commentaries he stated, well, he didn't outright say it, but it, the impression is given that basically he, cast was, the show. he was only in control of casting for like maybe the last couple of episodes of the second half and then the entirety of the first half of the show. So yeah, the first half of the show casting I think is fine. But for the mm -hmm. back half of the show casting, and this is, and by back half of the show, I mean a lot of the major characters, there are some head scratchers in there. And some of them work, and then some of them you're like, okay, back the fuck up. Overall, I think the dub is, is good, especially the home video version of it. The mm -hmm. one other nitpick I would have is that um, if you're gonna reuse actors, uh, don't have them be named characters, or B, don't have them be actors with really really distinct voices chris rager um hi i noticed you were in this show like as two different characters that showed up a lot um i just have a lot of like really nitpicky things about the dub that just bother me on like a technical level mm -hmm. and i think it's because especially going forward from the point that yona came out 
both of these directors have arguably directed some of the best stuff that Funimation has put out in the last five years. I mean, mm-hmm. Colleen is the head of My Hero Academia. Clifford Chapin has done, despite me disliking the show, and we all know I dislike the show, Darling of the Franks, really good dub. SSS Gridman, yeah, phenomenal I mean, like, dub. Cliff, like, has, Cliff, since from that point on, became probably the most consistent, sti- like, consistent director. quality director. Yes. Um, and he gets on a lot of big projects. But like I said, I have a lot of nitpicks with this dub that should not be a turnoff of I think this dub sucks. Because here's the thing. I don't think this dub sucks. If I thought this dub sucked, I would be a lot angrier than I am right now. <laughs> I would be the free episode, Megan, who was basically on the verge of tears. But this is like a show that like, hey, if if I had to, I could go with either, su- either track and just be like, okay. Okay. But there's right. just a lot of like technical issues to me that just bother me. <laughs> All right, Gigi, your thoughts. Wow, I forgot I was on this podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gigi. You became the blue dragon for a second there. Well, I mean, I mean, Megan had a lot of good points, all things considered. So, you know, so I watched this show really oddly. I first watched it subtitled while it was airing, but I only watched the first half. Okay. And then I bought it. I watched the first half dubbed like a year ago. And then I watched the second half last week. So, like, <laughs> my desire... Just as God intended it, the way to yeah, watch it. Exactly. Um, so, my desire to watch this show was basically in the Japanese. Okay. Um, because it's trash. It's shoujo trash, let's be real. And mm. I thought it was going to be a lot trashier than it was. <laughs> um, but it was like Fushigi Yugi. It was like, I wanted Fushigi Yugi to have a better dub. It would be this. Because the Fushigi Yugi dub is god fucking awful. Never watch it. Um, is it like Utena dub awful? No, Utena is by far the worst. Oh, Utena is like one of the worst dubs in the history of life. Um, but that aside, Dramatical um, Murder begs to differ. <laughs> well, anyway, Dramatical okay. Murder did not. I, I'm sorry, but Dramatical Murder didn't deserve a great dub. You shut your mouth. I mean, no, no, like the. St- we're not gonna talk about. I'm this. just talking about the like the technical adaptation of the show itself. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I'm I'm lumping everything together except for whatever because this is how I do. Um, for the writing, it's easy to understand for a period piece, which I love a lot, because period pieces are hard to understand, and I hate them. I hate samurai shows, all that Shinsen Gumi bullshit. <laughs> hey. <laughs> With all, with all those fucking titles oh, that I can't so pronounce. She's right. She's absolutely right. Samurai Pizza Cats is like impossible to understand. Just who okay, can just Soji didn't die for this Peace Corps references slander. and Kami Pinko references Fuck. thrown in there. Like she's right. Oh, just Soji didn't, didn't die for impossible. this. Shut up. Let's However, because how am I the straight man in a Valentine's episode? <laughs> I don't know. How is this happening? I don't today? know. You kiss a Wookiee once. What did you say about the Wookiee? Nothing. Oh, God. <laughs> Megan. Um, Isn't this the first episode you recorded since then? Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to keep it on the DL, but you know. I mean, I'm it's s- already out there in the open. So. Everybody I did, knows. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> I didn't even hear what you said. Nothing. All right, then. I'll find it later. No, okay. you won't. Okay. L- Lilac, you, um, Lilac, you've seen Bye Bye Birdie, right? No, I haven't actually. Oh, shit. What the hell is wrong with you? You were a theater major. I know. I haven't right? seen it either. Neither did theater at last. Going steady for good. Going steady. Going steady. Oh, my God. Going steady. steady for good. <laughs> anyway. Only Gigi will get that. 
Bye Bye Birdie is done by the cast of the Birdcage. Anyway. Oh my god. Um, so because this is so much like Fushigi Yugi, I liked the jokes that happened when they all turned into the chibis with the big fat outlines. Mm. Because that's exactly what happens in Fushigi Yugi, except their jokes were bad and these were actually funny. Um, the second half of the show seemed less stiff than the first half. Make your jokes. And, uh, okay. yeah. I mean, have I you really... seen Hawkspear? <laughs> what? I said, have you seen Hawkspear? <laughs> <sighs> it's so big and pointy. I love it. Stop and heavy. It. Finish your thoughts. Goddamn. We're already uh, like 30 minutes in. It's Never. not my fault. That's my what fault. she said. Mm. <coughs> um, so basically, if I have issues with casting, I'm going to talk about them when I talk about the actors who play the characters. Um, but I thought that for a period piece, I mean, I, I was kind of bored during parts of it, but okay. that is like anime fault, not dub fault. So for and the I, I loved the sports anime that was shown in the middle for no fucking reason whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Mock battle. Let's go. But yeah, that's really all I have to say. I liked it. I wish the writing, you know, were 20 years ago and could have been in Fushigi Yugi. It would have made my life. Hey, Gigi. Yeah. How do you feel about the most aggressive Cabadon that's ever happened? Oh my god, did I not tweet about that this morning? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, I could see I... this eight... <laughs> okay, let's be clear. Chicago wasn't getting eight, six to eight inches of snow last night, but they were getting six to eight inches of flood that morning. God damn it! <sighs> <sighs> anyway, my thoughts on the directing and writing of the show. As someone who has seen the show in the Japanese and the English couple times and actually am reading the manga the writing for the show because i megan i correct me if i'm wrong i think the anime came out in the states before the manga did yeah yes by a decent while <laughs> yeah because what's interesting is the writing is very consistent between both versions like the style and the well remember that like if you've ever watched like some of the funimation behind the scenes videos like they will go out and get japanese copies of the manga it's true. They will. But, um, so it's safe to say that a lot of the scripting choices in the show are very similar to what the manga had. Um, so despite it being a period piece and some of the language used in the show may not be suited for the period piece at the time, this is a shoujo romance show, part of a very popular shoujo romance manga uh, magazine in Japan. <clears throat> So it makes a lot of sense that the shoujo style is <clears throat> translated and can brought over here. Um, so writing-wise, despite it being weird for a period piece, language-wise, it makes sense, in all honesty. The directing is what's very interesting, because if we take into consideration, one, it was part of the larger broadcast sub program in 2015. Two, it was the staffing situation for directors in general was very odd at the time um aside from hello let's start dubbing from the second half of the show that was weird too but <clears throat> i mean you live and learn but um what's also interesting and to megan's point about the casting one of the things that i think once the broadcast dub initiative was expanded upon <clears throat> was we saw the talent pool starting to grow a hell of a lot more so, because some of the some of the actors that we normally hear nowadays, they had smaller roles in Yon of the Dawn. Because um, Justin Briner was in there. I heard Dallas Reed in there. Austin Tindall was in there. 
Um, <clears throat> Ryan Reynolds is in there at one point. Ryan Reynolds was in there. Um, Michaela Krantz was in there. Um, several lesser known actors that hadn't really gotten their chance to really shine yet. They were in the show. So <clears throat> to the credit of to the credit of Colleen in this situation, because from because with the possible assumption that she put together the main cast of the show. Um, to her credit, the talent pool probably wasn't large enough at the time. So she went with what she knew and what she could work with really well and who she could work with really well for this. So I have to give her credit on that one. I actually don't mind the casting choices at all. Like a lot of the casting choices, especially for the main cast, while some were creative, some were ones that we didn't see before or haven't heard these actors play these certain uh, certain character types in a long ass time um some were rather interesting <laughs> uh to say the least i think out of the main cast of characters the only one who hadn't been i don't think fully established at that point in time is the person who plays yoon at the time obviously mm -hmm. that individual has gotten a hell of a lot more recognition since then with larger roles and we'll get to him in a bit but it's I just, I think the casting is in the middle for me. Some of it's good, some of it's kind of eh, and some of it's just like, I don't know what to think of this anymore. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it, in general... It, it kind of fits like the goulash of the whole show itself, because the, the show has a lot of different emotions kind of. throughout, so it yeah. fits to have a different range of it, voice actors, too. It is. It's very interesting. Um, but it's not, a, it's not a terrible dub. Not in the slightest. There are some choices that I would question, absolutely. But it's not going to deter me from watching the show and finding enjoyment. After I love this fucking show. This dub is so much fun to me. Like, it's a lot of fun. But if from a critical standpoint, it's kind, it's solid, but it's not downright amazing. But given the time period that this was dubbed... Okay, I gotta, like, I gotta say something about that. Okay. I gotta say something about that. That's not an excuse. That's not an excuse for the show. Honestly, it's not. No, no, but we're not looking for excuse. We're looking for like the casual person goes and watches this, and they may wonder. Yeah, and what's I know, the and I, I understand that. I understand that, but from like a critical's perspective, saying mm -hmm. oh, it's kind of a period of time, I'm like that's kind of a bullshit excuse to me because this is the same season mm -hmm. where dubs for things like Assassination Classroom, Death Parade, and Tokyo Ghoul Re came out, and those are all three stellar dubs that all started up as broadcast dubs. I don't think that's okay. fair to to say that. Okay. Oh, it's because of the circumstances around it. It's no, there are three other dubs that came out in the same season who yeah. arguably at the time had, I think, like three of the other, like, those are the three other shows that, like, I think at the time Funimation's, like, what would be considered Funimation's prestigious directors were on, mm -hmm. that being Joel McDonald's, uh, Zach Bolton, and Mike McFarland, along with Colleen, like, it's not not to say that you're wrong, Steph. I just think that, like, saying, oh, as a period of its time thing, giving, kind of giving, like, a, a, some of the more technical, like, I think technical, like, choices a pass as a time thing is kind of a BS thing, especially when I just listed off three dubs that are that still immensely hold up and are celebrated in the community today no i get you i get you absolutely you are right i'm just playing like on a different side of it you know what i mean like from like, the person like a person who isn't critiquing it like as hard as we are mm -hmm. 
Exactly. Which this show and kind like, of like defies exceptional critique on it because it's such a for the most part like a light fun adventure kind of show this yeah. isn't deep thought provoking <laughs> should i kill the principal who's a squid man or should i let him live kind of i mentality. mean okay look the first the first season at least the first half of assassination classroom ain't that deep no no it's not I mean, again, we have to take into consideration what? how this, how Yona's dub was actually done in the first place. Yeah, and like, I, I it think it is like, a very weird, very yeah, weird it's... situation. Like you can throw the argument in there with Tokyo Ghoul Rude. Yes, absolutely. However, again, like I mentioned earlier, Tokyo Ghoul Rude has a separate. And here's my thing, and like I guess I could have gotten. We can get into this in final thoughts. More right. is hey, right, no offense. <laughs> If you were gonna, unless like Perot basically said you can't dub Tokyo Cool Re without doing this one, maybe they shouldn't have broadcast dubbed this show. Just saying, you could have saved it for home video, and saved kind of. I think like it, I don't know. We'll get to that in final thoughts. I mean, it, there could be a lot of factors we don't know about. In all honesty, it could be one of those situations where there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we just don't know. I mean, yeah, and apply, I guess we'll get more to that. Apply, in the final down apply death of the author mentality when it comes to critiquing dubs. Don't even think about the behind the scenes stuff or the levels of what caused it to go like this. Maybe focus on the time period a little bit, like Gigi was saying, something like um, um, Fushigi Yugi's time period may be an explanation for why it's that way. But when it comes to like your broadcast dub or your home video dub, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because 20 years down the road, some nerdy otaku with pink hair is going to pick the show up off the shelf, watch it and probably love it without having any information to how it was yeah, dubbed like, in the first place. Yeah, like casual, casual viewing aside, I'm just saying like as somebody who's been doing critiques of dubs across the years, I, I think that saying, oh, well, looking at the situation sometimes it's like, I think I think as a critique, somebody critiquing, I am a little I am a little bit allowed to to kind of go into that, but we'll get oh, to that sure. in the final thoughts. No, I mean like I'm not I'm not I'm pff, believe me I'm like from a casual standpoint I love this dub it's a lot of fun from a critical standpoint it's not the best it's solid sure. not amazing that's a good yeah. place to it end could up. be it could be a variety of factors coming into play and here we'll we get to that when we have to I know. We've been we've been stuck on this section long enough. Can we please bad, kill the like king and move on to the adventure? We're not even talking about the king. Calm today. down, I Hans. want to talk about the king so bad. You know, I okay. The king is played by Sean Hennigan, and it's so funny to me because he's this pacifist, wishy-washy person, and he's also the guy who voices the bad dad from Romeo X Juliet, who is a stone cold bastard. Yes. He's also Misa and Bacano, so. Oh fuck! Why aren't we talking about Romeo X Juliet tonight? That would have been a fun one too. Because we're anyway. for the future. Because we're doing that down the line. <laughs> that anyway. is not shoujo trash. That that is high quality trash. <laughs> Gigi. Anyway, Gigi, how you doing over there? That is J. Michael. Tate. I'm currently tearing on Utapri, so you guys keep talking amongst yourselves so I can keep my rank. Thanks. <laughs> she wants her Renuar so bad. We are just oh, I have one Renuar. I want three Renuars. She wants anyway. to take. This is no she longer Yoda take... the Dawn episode. This is a how to play Utapri seminar. Everybody, take out your pens and pencils. Stay tuned how to, to Channel Dub Talk in March of 2019. <laughs> how to play anyway. Utapri? Don't pick Cecil. Anyway, we're gonna move on to characters finally because we've been stuck on the staffing for way too fucking long. We the first two groups. But of for good reasons. Were, I know. <laughs> good. It's good reasons why we we're kind of on the staffing for a long ass period of time. But the first two sections of characters we're gonna be talking about. Um, these are more secondary or minor characters that kind of have at least semi decent roles in the show. 
because Whether like in going through the show, poor... like the whole show is about finding the four dragon warriors. So it, it does not, let's say in one location, it's let's move from this setting to this setting to this setting. And in each different setting, you have different characters who play a part in that arc. So that's why. Right. So it's kind of going to be a mishmash of some of the more, I think, I think anyway, kind of the more integral characters to, to help develop the major ones. If they, sh if um, they show up in the montage in the opening, we'll talk about them. I didn't realize that they actually did show up in the montage until you said it. You are actually kind of right. Anyway. Yeah, so in the, the first... good first opening. I didn't say it wasn't good. I... <clears throat> Keep going. Leave my Miley Cyrus opening alone. <laughs> Look, what? the song is... As long the... as we can all agree that the second ending's really good. Yes. I don't like the second ending. Oh, no. How the <laughs> fuck are we friends? <laughs> um... Anyway. Is it our mutual Hazel is it our mutual hatred of Cecil? Yeah. In in all honesty, I, I preferred the first opening more much more. Yeah, first, first ending opening the first opening actually fits the show. But the second opening song is awesome. Okay, it is there a banger. It is banger. the song of the second one is a banger. The first one actually fits the show better. There we go. Anyway, the first set of characters, these are more integral characters to that kind of help support and develop some of our major characters. We have Iksu, who is the f famed oracle who was exiled uh, from the Koka kingdom. He is secluded, lives by himself. Well, he does, well, he lives with Yoon, who we will discuss later. He lives in you. The other three characters we're gonna talk about in this section um, are more integral to each of our dragon warriors, the major dragon warriors that we see. Mine is Geno. Because uh, we only get Jenna for one episode, but that's another story entirely. Um, we have the White Dragon Granny. She actually has her name. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. Um, we also have the blue dra the former Blue Dragon Owl. Daddy! Oh, Daddy? Daddy! <laughs> and then we have Captain Gigon, uh, who is integral to the Port Awa arc. Um, she is a pirate captain uh, for the Bad of Misfit Pirates. Bad-ass pirate grandma! Yeah! Who, who Happy Gasparilla people in Tampa. Who, just, who wants to just liberate Awa from the, the rule of this tyrannical leader. And um, Gigon is the arc where we actually meet Jiha, our green dragon. Uh, the so best like, character. Wait, wait, wait. Awa is the name of a town? Poor, yeah. yeah, it's Awa. No, it's no, Awa. no, no, no. Awa stands for Anime Weekend Atlanta. I thought she was liberating the anime convention. And, and she, she was mean, saving all the cosplayers who were stuck under the ship. Yeah, I mean, anyway, yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the individuals voicing these characters, you motherfuckers. All right, as Iksu, the Oracle, we have Jerry Jewel, who has been in series such Yay! as Black Butler, The Disastrous Life of Psyche K, and Sakata Quest. As the White Dragon Granny, we have Julie Erickson, who has been in series such as Fullmetal Alchemist, Marvel, probably most notably in Fullmetal Alchemist, uh, My Hero Academia, and Selector Infected We Cross. As Blue Dragon Owl, we have Chris Rager, who has been in series such as Assassination Classroom, Diagon Rampa 3, The End of Hope's Peak Academy's Future Arc, as well as Show by Rock. And as Captain Gigon, we have Wendy Powell, who most notably has been in series such as Fullman Alchemist, uh, Tokyo Ravens, and she was a pulp go for Pop Team Epic <laughs> at one point in time. Uh, so I'm going to start with Megan this time. What are your thoughts on these performances? Oh, God, I was so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, may I play with Daddy. Danger? No, no. Wait, 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 wait. She thinks the squirrel is hot? Hold on. No, no, no. The, also, <laughs> no. The, also okay, kidding. look. Look. How it is it? Look. Yep. Yes. He's hot like big Tarzan man hot. 
Uh, he you're looks not like, wrong. Like, holy shit, slam me to a wall, daddy. Men, mm-hmm. all the men listening out there, let this be a note to you. There is Roots a woman justice. out there for you. There is a woman. Don't worry. Whatever you are, your build, your personality, there is a woman out there for you. I'm sorry, he's really attractive for looking like he hasn't showered in years. <laughs> Jenny right? just walked in and it's like, there is? <laughs> <laughs> Megan, our friendship has just been rekindled over our daddy. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Also, shout out to Brittany Karbowski for ripping my goddamn heart out with him. With all, oh, with little shit. Oh, Shana. God. Oh, like, God. The fuck, that, that episode fucking destroyed me. Oh, boy. Look. Everyone, like, I always do this thing where it's like, hey, people who only know Chris Rager from, like, Dragon Ball, you should really watch other anime because he's a really mm. good dramatic actor. Yes, he is. Like, I loved him as, um, I loved him as Al more than the other guy in the pirate arc who kept, like, trying wanting. Was it him or he Chris George? Who got... Was he the one that keeps trying to marry Yoon or was that Chris George? No, that was, that was Rager. Yeah, for some reason he was, like, really keen about marrying Yoon, who's, like, 15, so step up, buddy. Um... <laughs> He and, he and Julie Erickson were kind of, like, around for, like, only a little bit, so I don't have, like, as much to say about them. I think they're perfectly fine in their roles. Uh, Jerry Jewel's Iksu is uh, the other type of Jerry Jewel that I enjoy, dumb as a sack of rocks. Um, <laughs> he's adorable, he's charming, he is, he's I'm Yoon's to, dad. I'm going to jump out of plane now. I come from Russia, where there are lots of snow. Snow is soft. Stop I know it. that it is safe Stop to jump it. out of plane. Vodka! I'm sorry, Stop it. I'm sorry. No, I'm not Just sorry. Imagine but Victor Nikiforov jumping out of what a plane for Yuri. What is my safe word with you, Noah? Jesus Christ. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Your safe word with the... Noah is yabba dabba do. <laughs> that would kill the mood. Any... That would definitely kill the mood. Oh, yabba dabba do me. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, boys Day. and girls. I swear uh, to God, Noah, I need you to yell that at Jenny at least once in your life, and I will give you money. You know, th- this this footage will never surface, but when we got married, my I did say at my vows, I yabba dabba do. God damn it. Not. You're a... You will, you will never be able to prove that that's Noah, not true. Noah, can you true. please... Noah, I'm coming can you over please... in a couple months, dude. I'm going to find that tape. <laughs> Talk to as Jenny about Noah has to get the dirt. Oh, as if Noah trust. hasn't, like, recorded, like, some James Baxter test animation over his wedding video. <laughs> I will Snapchat the shit out of that. Anyway, Maggie... Put it on going. YouTube for your... Put it on your YouTube channel. Uh, no, also be Noah, please get officiated for when I get married to be the priest at my wedding. Oh. Um, I would pay, oh, I would oh, pay you good oh, money. Oh, that would be so much fun. <laughs> Uh, but no, for me, holy shit, I love Je- Wendy Powell as uh, Captain Gigon. Because here's the one thing that I really enjoyed about her being Captain Gigon is that despite the character looking like being older and kind of looking older, she's not a goddamn grandma. Yeah. Like, she's like in her like maybe late 50s. She, she, and I like yeah. the fact that she's like oddly Southern. Yes, she has those twinges of a Southern. And she like swears a ton. I, she swears a ton, and I love I love the <laughs> shit out of that performance because I like that they didn't go stereotypical older female like older lady voice with her. Like, this is one of those things I said in the earlier section where like a double edged sword can be can get like going out of the box can be a double edged sword. This is the time where it goes really good because I love her. She's probably one of my favorite performances in the show, and especially her uh, off of the gentleman who plays. Uh, I'm gonna keep calling him the wrong name. Gay, 
No, not gay. Jiha. <laughs> Jiha. I wanted to call him Gayha because he kind of has like, there's a they, like they make a lot of gay jokes at his expense. Um, yes, they do. Kind of. Funny. I honestly, I this could be coding, but I do think he may be bi. Look here. Jiha is 100% bisexual, and you can't convince me otherwise. As a bisexual person myself, I stand Jiha hard. <laughs> In this okay. house, we stand one dragon. But no, I, I love the shit out of Wendy Powell. And it's it's really weird, because Wendy Powell is one of those actresses I wish that was in a lot more anime, because she's really good, and she's rarely ever in things anymore. Yeah. Uh, and in closes, I just want to say that she also does probably one of the best Scooby-Doo impressions ever. Anyway, Gigi, what are your thoughts on these performances? Yeah, go I'm ahead, go, Gigi. I'm, I'm gonna go real quick. Jerry Jewell plays a typical Jerry Jewell character. That's what he does. It's what he does best. Let him do it. Uh, the White Dragon Grandma, 10 out of 10. Typical grandma. Uh, Gigan, or whatever. The Pirate Lady. Um, hate the accent work. It's not there all the time. It only pops out sometimes. And it's inconsistent. And I don't like it. I don't feel that she's as grizzled as she could be because she's a pirate. But I do feel that the choices that were made there were good because for some odd reason, she becomes a mother figure to Yona, which makes zero sense to me. <laughs> I don't remember but my mother. if Yona mother. wants a mom, Yona's going to get a mom. She's a better mom than she is a pirate. And then who did I miss? Chris Rager, Ow. your dad. Ow! Oh, my daddy. My daddy, Chris Rager. Hold on, because I wrote something really great for him. Oh, boy. <laughs> Please oh, no, continue to smoke 30 packs a day and talk in my ear all the time. I love you, <laughs> you so angry, powerful, and scary goddamn dragon. Please dragon me anywhere you want, preferably into a cave that has a lock on the door. Ugh. How does that work? A cave with a lock on the door. Look, how Gigi? does this whole anime work? What? Hey, Gigi. Hey, I think Megan. with uh, Chris Rager's dragon, you're going to star in How to Dra How to Train Your Dragon 4, How to Ride Your Dragon. Basically. <laughs> I mean, You'll make his dream work. Dream work? <laughs> <laughs> These R-rated DreamWorks movies are really clashing with their earlier content. Oh it's, the, it's the porn version. <laughs> So uh, yeah, we we liked we liked Jack. How to come your dragon? Oh god damn it! <laughs> Stop it! We're I'm never done. gonna be done with this. I'm done. So, I'm, I'm done. If we're talking about the other R-rated uh, DreamWorks movies, I think uh, we need to get over your hedge. <laughs> I don't get it. Oh, that's a long. <laughs> I get that joke. I get that joke. I did, I, wow. If you have to explain it, it's not funny. <laughs> I yeah, get it too, unfortunately. No. And I've never Instead of Shrek, it's called Wreck. God damn it. I don't get it. Because <laughs> he's going to wreck that pussy. <laughs> is that what Wreck-It Ralph is really about? Yes, it's about he wrecking that pussy. Big, he has very big hands. Anyway. All anyway. the better for fisting. God damn it. I did think it was funny that they rewrote Pussy and Boots to be more kid-friendly. I'm sorry, Gigi, that you have to be the straight man. <laughs> We're never going to get through this episode. Never, never, never. Somebody... Anyway, I'm going to go next. My thoughts on these characters. Okay. So, the easy ones. The White Dragon Granny, Julie Erickson. Did you just Jess call the White Dragon Granny easy? <laughs> I can feel you slapping me up. from across the state. 
shut the fuck up, or we're never gonna get this done. Alright? Holy shit. Julie Erickson has energy and a spunk about her as the gre as the white gra dragon granny, and I love it. It's fun. Stop laughing! That's what we're She's doing. got that white dragon spunk, if you know what I'm saying. Blue dragon owl, Chris Daddy. Ranger. <laughs> Shows toughness, but also... What the fuck? <laughs> toughness, but... My pen is dumb, and it was drying out. It was just, like, dying on me. Shows toughness, but also exhaustion as the former blue dragon grows older. Because one of the big things, and it's mostly displayed in the backstory for Shinha, is um, the as the as the new dragon warrior grows and like gains the power, the old one loses the power mm -hmm. and then eventually dies. So that backstory is a little bit tragic. So you can tell that Chris Rager's show is very very tough, but he also has this exhausted tone, this exhausted feel to him, and I appreciate that. Uh, Captain Gigon, Wendy Powell, is tough as nails and such a great maternal figure. Um, see, I don't... In terms of the accent, I don't think it was a purposeful move. I think it might have just slipped out on occasion. That's my thought on it. Because um, I don't think the intent was Gigon having some kind of accent, period. It just slipped on occasion from from Wendy as her with their natural, natural accent. Um, and then... As for Jerry Jewel, I don't even think I wrote any notes for Jerry, did I? I did not. That is great. Um, Jerry, this this is Gigi's right. This is kind of a typical Jerry Jewel role, role that you normally see him play um, as the goofball, clumsy little dingbat. Um, but he has his moments where he is very insightful and is a guiding hand that is needed in the show, um, and I do very much appreciate that. Uh, I am done. Noah, what are your thoughts? Well, um, you, you said your pen was uh, drying out, right? Don't start. Uh, you, you know, there's nothing worse for a guy when his pen dries out. Oh, my God. I mean, that's what happens when you get the snip. You, sometimes you, you, know, you just got to shake it until it, you, know, you, you get it working again. Oh, baby I'm going to say that heaven. to Andrew right now. No, no, you will... <laughs> You, Does will, he have that you problem? will break it. <laughs> Personal boundaries, Gigi. We don't have boundaries here. No, we don't. Noah, just tell me your thoughts on these performances. I, guess, I suppose. Come on, Noah, whip it out. Whip out those opinions mm. all over my face. Oh my god, it's so hot. <laughs> Daddy! Daddy, please. This is not the kind of snowstorm I thought I was getting tonight. <laughs> oh, come on, you said there was going to be 8 to 12 inches. <laughs> God Stop it! <laughs> We're not gonna be finished wait, wait, at this rate. Keep just go. Where's my tape no, measure? Please. Hold on. So let me get my tape measure. Hold on. I, I... Oh my god! <laughs> not here, here the time or place. No, Hi guys, not. I'm Noah Clue. Cartoon reference. Cartoon reference. Cartoon reference. I hate the mouse. Uh huh. Legit guys, can we please? <laughs> this is all for boys and focus. boys and girls. Do not piss off your lilac. You will live to regret it. Okay. Yes, you will. Can we please focus? So the, okay. We're already like an hour in. Okay, so bring it back to the show. This show has lots of side characters that all of them fit within the world of this. This is a a feudal Korea type of world where we don't have advanced technology. We're still living in a king hierarchy type of, and there's lots of miniature kingdoms within the larger kingdom. So all these characters are really good at fleshing out that huge world. So for Iksu, we get the mentality that not only are there mythical dragons, but there's also the power of 
prophecy. You, you get like that Grecian prophet kind of person, but it's not a royal regal kind of voice because the character is not royal and regal. It, he is a klutz. He is a walking disaster factory. And that is perfect for Jerry's performance because I think I wrote down, he is actually the most fun to listen to of the side characters. He's got this contrast of a free-spirited individual who's I was like, I'll go wherever the, the spirits tell me to go while birds are flying in the background. Well, at the same time, he nearly dies because he forgets to eat after a couple of days. He is just that accident prone. And I, I, it's true. I like Jerry. The Oracle of Bashon Fi. <laughs> so I like Jerry's performance in this. I like I if you remember all the way back to the um, Yuri on Ice episode, I did not mind his performance as Victor at all because I like that kind of goofy persona he brings to it much more it's more fitting in this show so i kind of wish he was around a little bit more but the fact that we got to him at the very last episode again was like mm, love it love it so much white dragon granny um so uh julie erickson's uh she doesn't really have like a super distinct voice like it was the kind of voice that I, I know i've heard her before if you need like a fussy uh grandma character then she's always the person they go to and in this show it's she gets a lot of funny and heartwarming moments because she's like being carried around by manservants about how you everybody take care of the white dragon make sure that he's not being over like overworked and you have to pick out a wife kind of grandma but also gets really teary-eyed when he has to leave so I'm here sorry. take this woman <laughs> <laughs> yeah, say, that's my favorite part take these extra clothes take this take this food and here, have a woman with you like what <laughs> i can't carry all of this with one hand it's uh yeah yeah it's um it, it's it's kind of fun to to have like that mentality of like the white dragon's kingdom is one that is super protective of their white dragon he is like a god to them and so having this grandma who over dotes on him is really funny to have but also you get the heartwarming uh leaving scene as well which it kind of is a good indication of the comedy of the show it'll go serious and serious but it'll also have those chibi comedy moments just to lighten things up a little bit so it never gets super serious speaking of getting super serious let's talk about blue dragon ow a little bit because that was personally my favorite tiny arc of the whole show that mentality of someone who is born with a supernatural ability and everybody hates them for it it's it's something that i think we can all relate to as um <clears throat> being super talented individuals ourselves we were probably shunned and cast out of our kingdoms and that is what i mean if being a big bitch is a supernatural power it's uh underrated it really is so um I, I apologize megan for when you were kicked out of your kingdom i hope they didn't hurt your ass too hard well you can ask my biological mom about that no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go that Whoa. far. Anyway, but Chris Rager. Let's talk about Chris Rager's performance on that. <laughs> you call him daddy. This is not. That's not what I'm watching the show for. I'm watching um someone who, like, there there is uh, there's some real understanding in how painful that is to have this curse put upon you. Um, I think I said to the chat while I was going through this. I think the mangaka cribbed a few story ideas from Fruits Basket because this reminds me a lot of the relationship that Kyo had. And how, um, I think it was the previous cat's grandson took a liking to Kyo oh, because yeah, of the fact okay. that yeah. his, um, I getcha. yeah, th there's this, um, like only one person will look out for you, but that's all you really need in this world. So, um, for okay. There's a, there's a, a bit of difference between their stories, which is number one, um, as somebody who loves the shit out of Fruits Basket, mm -hmm. um, he doesn't take him in. Because they make him take him in. Yeah. 
He takes him in because he wants to and he feels guilty about his own relationship with his grandfather. Exactly. Number two, I think Yona, like, I don't know if anybody else caught it, but here's the thing. Um, I think they killed Shinaw's mom when he was born. They pro- pro- no, no, like, I think they should have. She either, she either no. killed herself when she was born she or killed they herself. killed her. Yeah. She killed herself. She killed okay. herself. It's, it's, in the sh- it's in the show, though, because she felt so much shame for giving birth to the next that's yeah, where she, it's she went, similar she went, that's where it's similar yeah she went almost full momiji's mom there well no Mo, no kyo's mom straight up kills herself yeah i know but I, I was trying to keep it lighter here but yeah but we're talking about we're talking about ow daddy here ow daddy this entire <laughs> <laughs> Shit. i feel a little bad that i didn't catch that chris rager was in uh, other parts of the show because i don't have enough of a base of reference to catch him in other parts but he was yeah. distinct enough from the other male voices in the show. Like, he wasn't exactly the same as Sonhawk. He wasn't the same as um, Juntae. He was a distinct enough tough voice that sounded very worn down. And in that sense, he fits the character for the one episode that we hear him in really well. So good job, Chris Rager. And my personal favorite, my absolute favorite character of the side characters... I love me some Grandma Pirate. I, I I love Wendy Powell as Grandma Pirate. That was like, yes, I take me aboard. Take take me on an adventure, Grandma. Because <laughs> her, I, I didn't even mind at all that she became like a mother character. Um, because like if you've seen shows, if you've okay, you've seen the movie um Laputa Castle in the Sky, right? No. No. Out of this podcast, get out. You're kicked out. All right, for the rest of you, excuse, seen, excuse me. For the rest of you, y- y'all are derailing it. Your asses are gonna get kicked out. Okay. Well, there's this trope in anime about like tough, uh, tough women characters who like act tough on the outside, but then once you crack their surface, they're just like honey baked sweet rolls on the inside who just want to be a good mother to you. And in that, it, yeah, Gijan is kind of like the best of both worlds in that regard. Like she's tough. And she drinks and she smokes, but as long as you don't piss her off, she will be there for you till your dying day. And Wendy Powell mm-hmm. captures that dynamic. I didn't even catch any accent portions of it. I just thought that the voice that she gave her was much more um, rural than the regal characters because, you know, she's been living out in the ocean. She's living with a bunch of guys. She's supposed to be tough. She's, she's living in a seaport that traditionally is supposed to have a less regal speech pattern to it. So if there was like localisms that she gave it, I just chalked it up to that was part of her character to begin with. So yeah, I I want, I want the spinoff manga where we just focus on the pirates for the whole show. Maybe a prequel if if anything. Oh, right. Cause they disband after the, they disband in the show. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to lie that it kind of, there's, I know we're not talking about them, but there's a part where I think like, the green dragon. <laughs> I keep on because I keep on wanting calling him Geha. <laughs> uh, or, uh, Gia, and then uh, Dallas, Ryan Reynolds, Ian Ferguson, and Chris George are like all drinking, mm-hmm. and Ryan Reynolds just has this. He's like, "Come on, I'll play you a lullaby." And Ryan Reynolds is like, "I want to go to fucking sleep," and he's like, "Why?" Because when I wake up, the dream will be over and I won't be a pirate anymore. <laughs> and that part, like, kind of, like, got me in the heart. It's like, look. Yeah, it was really cute. Why'd you have to wake me up? I was having that great dream where I was a ninja. Dude, you are a ninja. <laughs> I am? Holy crap, that's awesome. That's the plot of Naruto, everybody. <laughs> anyway, are we good to move on? Yes. Yes, mommy. Okay. Let us sail away. All right, our next set of characters, they're going to be more supportive 
uh, characters and roles, uh, more specifically for the palace um, and with Su Won, who we'll talk about later. So, our four characters we're going to talk about next. We have Han Judo, who is technically the direct retainer for Su Won uh, once he ascends to the throne. Uh, we 30 have... Is he the guy who's 34 and never got laid? Well, he's the one who accompanies him, uh, who accompanies Su Won to... Uh... Yeah. Yes, and that is the guy who's 34 and has never been laid. 20, yeah. Yeah. No, no, he's, 30, no he's 34. He's 34. Yeah, he, I thought, yeah, I yeah thought because it was 25, Su- but it, no. no, 25 is Aaron Roberts' character who we're not talking about. That No, John Bergmeier. John Bergmeier's character who we're not co- talking about. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, then we have Gunte, who is one, I should have also said this, Hanjudo is one of the five generals. Uh, Gunte is also one of the five generals, specifically of the Earth Clan, though. Um, and he loves himself war. Clearly, not to the levels of the major loving war, but still. Uh, then we have, we don't have necessarily one of the five generals, but we have the son of one of the five generals. We have His Kong, asshole son. His asshole little, little youngest son, uh, Kong Taejun. Um, he's really, he's really, he's only important because, um, he does create a pivotal moment for, uh, Yona during the first half of the show. Symbolism! Uh, And then we have Son Munduk, who is, uh, the former general of the air? Wind Clan. Wind Wind Clan, Clan. thank you. Because Hanju is Sky, that's what it was. This is not Avatar Lilac. (laughs) Sorry. But um, he Can't is the adoptive. He, he, but more importantly, he's the adoptive grandfather of Son Hawk, who we'll discuss later. As for the and Son Hawk's adorable little brother named Michaela Krantz, who we don't get to talk about today. Um, but anyway, the individuals voicing these characters as Hon Judo, we have Robert McCollum, who has been in series such as Attack on Titan, Double Decker, and SSSS Gridman. As Gunte, we have Brandon Potter, who has been in series such as Isabella the Last Witch, School Rumble, and One Piece. As Kong Taejun, we have Christopher Bevins, who has been in series such as Akka 13, Ter- 13 Territory Inspection Department, Drifters, and the Heroic Legend of Arslan. And as Son Munduk, we have Kent Williams, who's been in series such as Darker Than Black, Brutes Basket, and Rage of Bahamut Genesis. Gigi, would you like to go first with your thoughts on these characters? Yeah, they're going to be real quick. Here we cool. go. Kent Williams, 10 out of 10, Sexy Grandpa. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's got the scar. He does. Yeah, you know, whatevs. Uh, Robert McCollum, dick? Question mark? Question mark? Can't remember him at all. Very formal from when I saw him for two seconds. Uh, Chris Bevins, not particularly menacing for a bad guy, but it sort of works for this character. And finally, Brandon Potter, who I have more than four seconds of stuff worth to say about. Really like this performance. He was very alpha, but he was a smart alpha. And I think he brought a lot of levels to this character. Maybe it's because I like dumb alpha boys who are, you know, kings of the sports festival. Okay. But I really enjoyed him. D- GG. 10 out of 10. For, for the, non, the non-norms around here, can you explain what alpha even means? <laughs> it's the one that gets to breed in the ABO fan fictions. <laughs> I don't even read those. They're the ones that they're the ones that 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 produce the baby batter for the butt babies. Oh my god. Anyways, um, he he is a man. That is he n- is like a man's man. Oh okay. I... He is like tool time, like not <laughs> like home improvement. But like he, he likes to swing <laughs> his hammer. <laughs> but oh my like god. the guys at Home Depot who will build me a crate. Yeah, that guy. 
Oh hey, Mr. God. Home Depot man, come to my house and fill some shelves. <laughs> then you can hit me in the wine rack. <laughs> wow. God damn. Megan, we know your parents raised you better than that. Are you sure, though? <laughs> anyway. I blame my entire repertoire of awful sex jokes on the ghost stories, Dub. <laughs> Christ. Anyway, are you it's good? It's all your fault, Chris Patton. <laughs> <laughs> Gigi, are you good? I'm done. I only came here to talk about dragons, and really one in particular, so feel free. Keep Don't going. Don't worry. We're, we're going to get to the dragons next. Hold on. I'm going to tear on Udapri. Damn you, Meg okay. Megan. All I've got um, are I've got ghost stories puns in my head now. God damn God you. God damn it. Anyway. Oh. Anyway, I'll go next on this one. So, uh, Robert McCollum is Robert McCollum. Is he? I mean, Holy are you sure? shit! <laughs> he is who we thought he was, and we let him off the no, hook. Let's see who you really are. Rips really off the are. mask. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it was Robert. No, I think I think Robert Shinya Kogami. I, I, I considering Han Judo basically is the retainer for this. Really, I don't want to call Suwon wacky. He's two faced. Suwon is has, is very two faced. Hold on, snake. Look mm, into his um, eyes. It's true. Whoa, he's been telling lies. Yes. Um, considering he has to be this strong, stern presence when Suwon just, on the outward appearance, just goofs off all the fucking hell. Um, I think it, Robert does very good with that. Um, Bryn has a rough and tumble feel as Tagunte and is one of the more physically imposing characters, which is something that is shown very well during the little arc where Su Suwon and um, Honjudo visit the Earth Clan uh, and talk to Gunte and all this mock war and all this kind of fun stuff. Um, and I, and Brandon Potter does very well with that. Uh, Kent Williams. Did I write anything for Kent Williams? I actually did not. Cool. <laughs> Kent Williams is a good grandpa. Very, very... He's... Ken Williams is both is also rough and tumble, but he also is very gentle on the inside. Like he really cares about his family and he cares about his people, um, and he's willing to do everything and anything to protect them. And that's something that Kent Williams definitely portrays with the performance. As for Christopher Bevins, see, Taejun is an interesting character. Be having read more of the manga, Taejun actually has a larger role to play, actually, uh, in the manga, and it's very interesting because his his development and his character arc it ha it's a bigger character arc and he grows a lot more um, in the manga, which I'm again sad we don't get that. But um, for what we do have, um, Christopher Bevins is a horny little asshole, and it's wonderful because. <laughs> Taejun wants to marry the princess by any means necessary. Calm down, bro. She's 13. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, calm down, bro. She's 13. But, um, yeah, and then during the parts where he chases after Heron Hawk and all this other stuff, the fallout, you see this desperation go from desperation to absolutely broken individual, which is where we leave this character off. Um, at the end of the show, which I think Bevins does play that cycle very, very well, and I do enjoy it. Uh, Noah, your thoughts on these characters? Oh, boy. Um, I'm, 
I don't know if it's the, the fault of the art direction of the show, but none of the designs for these characters really stood out to me very much. They're defined in my head by where, like, the backgrounds that they're in or which episodes they're in. Like, okay, Brandon Potter is the easiest one for me to pick out, um, mostly because we don't really see Juntae until that uh, mock battle in episode 17, but also because Brandon Potter has, like, this really distinct voice that I can pick out in any situation. Like, he had a one-bit part in Spice and Wolf, and I instantly caught him in that. Or if he's got, like, bit parts in other shows, I'll automatically know that's him. So, but in this show, uh, it works really well because uh, even though Juntae is supposed to be like this war veteran who is just hungry to go back to war, we see throughout the whole show that he's got a soft side to him. Like he's got a wife who cooks this floral tea that he pretends not to like, and he's like super tough acting in the mock battle. But then he gets upended when he finds out that Suwon is actually not a squirrel, but is actually a vicious Wolverine. So in that yes. whole part, Brand it was an was eagle. Good. Thank you. He was a what? It was an eagle, thank you. It, you're right, you're right. I, I, Whatever it was, it was still good. He did not crack the bowl on his head fast enough. That was a weird battle. But yeah, Brandon Potter, good job as Juntae. Um, let's talk about some of the other ones. Robert McCollum is kind of, it seems like, uh, the sidekick in to Suwon, but... He doesn't do very much. Like he, he accompanies him, he's tough acting, and he tries to remind him about the importance of taking care of the kingdom. But as far as like actual actions go, in a box by himself, he doesn't do very much. Um, that's not the same thing against Robert McCollum, because this is a voice that works well for him. He's, he's supposed to be a loyal servant who's also devoted to his job. Like he's, If a salary man existed back in feudal Korea, this would be the kind of role that he would have. Like, he will grow up to basically be the salaryman from uh, uh, middle management, Tonegawa. Um, if, uh, let's see, Kent Williams. Also, not too much to say on that one. Um, like, I didn't have anything bad to say about that either. It's it's just kind of there. And it's, it's not fair to these actors that these characters get kind of passed up because the show does not care too much about giving them too much dynamic exposure. Most of the show is devoted to Yona and her posse. So these characters fill out the gaps when we're not focusing on the other characters. And that's they fill out their roles well. But I do want to give high praise to Chris Bevins for um, not only for being crucial to the part where we... Uh, you know, we have that symbolic, like, you cut off her hair and suddenly she's a tough badass now. But also, he gets, like, I didn't mean to laugh at it, but it was funny to me when he goes back to Suwon with the cut-off hair. And he, when he realizes the, the, the what he's done, because he thinks he's killed Yona, basically. He's like, punish me. Please punish me. And Suwon does, and he Daddy. starts walking away. He's like, no, sir, you have to punish me. Please kill me. Please kill me now. You know what? I'm perfectly happy with leaving him as a sobbing wreck who's mad because daddy doesn't punish him. And it's more than anything else we're going to see. <laughs> punish me, daddy, Suwon. Um, I'd watch that anime. Please punish me, daddy, Suwon. Mm. I mean, he asked him to put him in the dungeon. I would go. As if Suwon, Suwon probably has a dungeon. Oh. I would definitely make an appearance. <laughs> Gigi rolls up to, so, to the Crimson Dragon Castle going, Hey, baby, put me in that dungeon. <laughs> what do I have to do to go down there? Anyway. What do I need to go I mean, down for she you, She's got, like, these, uh, these uh, eyes wide shut masks on, and she's got, like, anyway. a whip ready. <laughs> Megan, your thoughts Giggity. on these performances? 
I actually find it really funny because I watched the commentaries for the show, I think, like, when I got the discs. And I remember Kent Williams talking about the fact that he's like, oh, hey, I'm another old guy in this anime because that's all I do now. <laughs> and I'm against John Swayze, so that's Wasn't, a plus. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wasn't this the same commentary where he's where we find out Cliff has never been, uh, like, in a theater production before, and then Kent's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's happening. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, because that's, yeah, where they all find out Cliff never did theater, and they're all like, yeah, bullshit, buddy. Like, like they no, all call bullshit. He's like, yet, no, really, guys. Not yet, you haven't. Have <laughs> Kent's like, haha, not with that attitude, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, I think Kent Williams is fine as um, Moondock. He's he's the right level of, like, that's the other thing I like, is that despite Moondock being older, it is very clear that Moondock still got it. That's true. And I think one of my other favorite moments in the show is when uh, Hawk's kind of having that emotional night before he leaves. He's like, uh, what was it? He's like, where did you get that liquor from your top shelf? Uh, um, so oh, God, who else are we talking about? about uh, Brandon, uh, Potter's, Brandon Potter's great as the, the guy who is just, he is literally a guy, he's like the burnout of adult characters. <laughs> he's like, fuck this life, fuck this shit, my wife's <laughs> annoying. Yep. Why we gotta play this fucking game? Who is this pussy-ass bitch in front of me? Oh, shit. I love, my favorite thing is he's like, wait a minute. I saw the look in his eyes. Is he fucking with me? <laughs> and he's like, wait a minute. Holy shit, I'm gay for him. Um, despite being married. <laughs> he's like, wait, Suwon, come back. I will suck your dick. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, but Brandon Potter's fine. Uh, Robert McCollum is just kind of there for me. It's it's like I I was like who the fuck is Robert McCollum in the show? It's like oh yeah that's right you're that guy and it was it was fine it was just what the show needed, and then there's there's sexual predator Christopher Bevin. <laughs> <laughs> Please no Christopher Bevin's not, not a sexual uh, predator. Remembers that just 90s sitcom sexual predator Chris Bevin's. Stop that. <laughs> Please no. And I say that because I think I literally went in the chat when uh, when he's like. Come on, Yona, come back to my private estate with me. And he's, like, clearly, like, 19 or something. And my immediate reaction was, holy shit, dude, she's 13. And, like, here's the one thing. It's not like, it's not like, it's not like anime 13 where she looks like she's 18. No, like, she actually looks like a kid still. And he's trying to get up on that hoodie. And and then Hawk comes up and is like, yeah, we fucking get out of here. We engage, motherfucker. Dude, they're, they're just talking. For this character? Yeah. Because that's what this character is, pathetically frustrated that he can't get a girl to like him, and he then thinks that he Mufasa's her. Um, Long we... live the live. king. God Long... damn it. How many Disney jokes can we make this an episode? Long live your dead dad. Push. Ah! Anyway. Uh, I think they're all fine, uh, but let's get into the real meat and potatoes of the show. Let's get to the real meat and potatoes of the show. We're going to talk about our four dragon warriors now. Oh, baby, I'm ready for this gangbang. <laughs> in order... <laughs> so is Gigi. In chronological order of appearance in the show, we have Gija, the white dragon, who has the power of the dragon in his right hand. He's got the power of the yaoi hand. Goddammit. Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Are we talking about Gija? Yes. Yeah, and his yaoi hand. Oh, okay, I'm back We're on now. the dragon's fight. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to stop tearing now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just sorry. putting it on pause. I can let my LP save up for a little, because we, we're here to talk about the thing that I have the poncho on for, so let's go. <laughs> All right. Don't worry, Gigi. Hold he's on. got, ex let, he's let got extra finish, wide ones for fingering. Let me finish introducing the characters. God damn it. 
So Gija, the white dragon, we have Shinha, who is the blue dragon, who has the power of the dragon in his eyes and can see very, very far distances. Um, we have Jiha, who is the green dragon, who has the power of the dragon in his right leg. And we have Geno, the yellow dragon, who... Um, dot, we, dot, here's, dot, 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 what? <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> so we're introduced to Geno in the very last episode of the anime. Um, the story or the rumor is is that he has impenetrable skin. That's the supposed rumor. He believes um, in moisturizing. <laughs> oh, so that's why he was a shield in that thing at the end yes. of the episode. Yes. Can I? Okay. Can I say what his actual power is? No, I don't want to know. I want to read the manga. Okay. DM it to me, Megan. I want to find out. The individuals who are voicing these characters as Gija, we have Ian Sinclair. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Who has been in series such as Blood Blockade Battlefront, The Heroic Legend of Arsland, and Kami-sama Kiss. As Shinha, we have Eric Vale, who has been in series such as Fruit Basket, Hitalia, and Noragami. As Jiha, we have, surprisingly enough, actually, I, at least I think, uh, Joel McDonald. I have, please let me go first, because I want to talk about that. <laughs> we, he, who has been in series such as Bakano Fairy Tale in My Hero Academia. And as for Geno, we have Josh Greeley, who has been in series such as The Ancient Magus Bride, Devil's a Part-Timer, and Snow White with the Red Hair. To which, on this one, because when I originally made the vlog episode such a long time ago, at the time we weren't we weren't confirmed as to who Jiha and Geno were, voice actor-wise. And I made the prediction that Josh was going to be Geno, and I was fucking right. <laughs> so I'm I was like, hell sexy yeah. Josh. This is before yeah. sexy Josh was he's a thing, not even too. sexy in this show. This, he's no, like a he's little really mall not. rat. He's like and, a little mall rat. Anyway, Megan, you wanted to go first? Yes. Yes, I do. Then because, uh... I will talk about Zeno and uh, Geno and Shina first because I need to specifically save Gija and uh, Jiha for last. Uh, Eric Vale, it's it's really weird that he's the quiet character, but here's the thing too. I actually like that they picked, uh, that they kind of kept the same style that they did with the Japanese in this case. Because if you didn't know, in the Japanese version of Yona of the Dawn, uh, Shina is played by Nobuhiko Okamoto, yes. who you know as Bakugo. Surprise! Nice! So I like that they took traditionally actors who are known for being a little bit more loud and over the top and had them play a, a character that's quiet. Uh, you can very clearly tell it's Eric Vale being soft. I like that he didn't go Yuki Soma with his performance uh, because Yuki Soma's more on the softer range of Eric Vale characters. I like that they kept him kind of not as loud and exuberant as Eric Vale can be. Like, think more of your, like, Phoenix rights and stuff. And I like that they didn't have him go creepier, uh, more like uh, along the lines of, like, Shigaraki, who is quieter, but has a creepy undertone to his voice. Uh, so I think that he is, uh, perfectly fine there. Um, I do like that, that you could tell, uh, Shina is a little bit older. Um, and again, like I said, I mentioned it in the Owl section, but Jesus Christ, Brittany Karbowski was phenomenal as baby Shina. Uh, Zeno, if, did you, Lilac, did you ever watch the last episode commentary? I think a long time ago. I haven't watched it in a while, though. Where Josh says that uh, Jenna was literally his customer service voice. Um, <laughs> I remember now, yes. That is my favorite joke about... Uh, I think that uh, Josh as Jenna is adorable. I just wish that Jenna was in the goddamn fucking show more. Or that they would make a season two so you can get to Jenna's backstory and uh, Josh can rip her hearts out. Yep. Um, you will fucking cry your eyes out to Jenna's story. Yep. Um... I think that he was perfectly fine. Now, here comes the fun part. I mentioned Seiyus before. 
<laughs> it's I very do. fitting that Gigi's playing a Renjinguji event. Junichi <laughs> Suwabe in here? Yes. Yes, and oh, he is no. uh J and he is Jeha. He's Jiha. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. would have been so much better. <laughs> oh fuck you! We're gonna have no, words. Wait. No wait, because I wrote something similar. Wait a minute. Hold on, let me let me explain. You, you finish, and then I'm gonna go where I'm gonna go. Okay. It's really funny that if you watch the last episode commentary for Yona of the Dawn, if you happen to own this, they actually make it an explicit point to point out that Ian isn't Jeha. That's what I was gonna say. They actually point. Jeha. They pointed out. They pointed out. They're like, yeah, aren't you usually like matched up to this guy because he's space dandy? And they're like, yeah, I know. And it's it's kind of really funny that they brought it up because I think I had brought it up to like a bunch of people before. I'm like, yeah, no, like, is anybody else track this? Because it used to be a lot more prevalent when Yoda came out. Like, it's not as bad now. Um, but no, I love Joe McDonald as Jaya. As and like, look, I'm, I'm pretty sure Ian Sinclair could have rocked it as well. Like, either guy would have been fine. I actually like the fact that they reversed the expectations of uh, who you thought would have been the white and green dragons. Because traditionally, I think that if it was under another director who wasn't willing to go outside of the boxes for these characters, Joel would have 100% been Gija. And I don't think it would have been as funny. Because as much as the show would like to make Gija look like a badass, he's kind of the butt monkey of the entire show. I love him. He's, he's so a good cute. boy, but he's kind of the butt monkey. And I'm not going to lie, the part where he falls into the pits of centipedes, Ian Sinclair screams like a little girl. It's great. And it's kind of the best. Uh, but no, I really like that uh, Joel is uh, Jiha. And Jiha is, uh, wasn't originally my favorite character. In fact, my original favorite character in this was Jenna. But as I, I thought more, I was like, wow, I really like uh, Jiha's uh, character. Especially when you get to the manga and you deal with a lot of his insecurities. Because they, they don't bring it up oh, as much as they do the other dragons in the past. Um you kind of get a glimpse of it, but yeah, like, apparently the old green dragon used to lock baby Jiha up and chain him to a rock. No, no. Gigi, no. Can you do that to me no. instead? No! God. Dragon, it. damn it. It's itchy to do that. Um, <laughs> but no, the thing I like about, and, and this is another case where I think that going against what you think works is I like that Joel is doing a pretty boy older voice because it's not a voice you get to hear out of Joel McDonald a lot, and I think he does a great job at it. And at the same time, I think Gija lets some of the the better elements of Ian Sinclair's comedic acting come out while still allowing him to be have those moments of seriousness that I've come to enjoy in dramatic Ian Sinclair performances. Um, I think that all of the dragons are very well casted, it's unfortunate that from here on out, this is where I have all the casting problems. Uh -oh. oh boy. This is where, after the dragons uh. is where, it, it, okay, after the dragons excluding one character is where I kind of have a lot more casting issues. So after this, the, the kid gloves might come off a little bit. Go oh pop boy. your popcorn, children. If you think that Gigi's uh, Jason Lebrecht salt train was hard, oh baby, you have not seen salty yet. Oh God, here we go. Um... So, let Gigi go next. Did you want to go next, Gigi? Yeah, let me just talk about this real quick. And by real quick, I mean not so quick because we got to talk about Ian Sinclair. But chill. Homies, chill. 
Um, so like what with Megan said with Jiha being played by Junichi Suwabe, I wrote down, um, at first I thought that it should have swapped with Ian. I was like, why is Ian not playing the slutty one? <laughs> Ian does a good slutty. I didn't know Junichi Suwabe played. I never got to J Jiha in the, uh, the Japanese. So this is the first time I've ever seen him or heard him. And I was like, wow, if they would have swapped, I could see it. But Joel McDonald, damn, he did a really good job. Like, I really liked him here. Like, I just, I don't know. He brought, like, he brought humanity to the slutty character and kept him more grounded. Mm -hmm. So, like, of course, I love Gija because Gija. But Do you like, like the parts where he, like, hits on the grandma? Oh, my God. The parts where he hits on everyone. My favorite parts are the parts where he hits on Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> and then the okay. part... Jihad is also where a he, masochist, by the way. He rips his clothes off and he's like, hurt me. And I'm like, oh, yes. He's a masochist, too, and it's great. I love... Oh, so that's what pervert means. Pirates just tell him to stop <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. It's like another one of my favorite lines in the show. Oh, no, one of my one of my favorite. No, one of my favorite lines in the show. Keep it in your pants. Oh my god. Yeah, that, that no. That, I'm assuming that was not in the Japanese. God, I don't know, but I fucking love Jiha. Like I don't like I love this character and I like at first, you know, I was like, "Oh, Ian." But then I was like, "You know what? Ian would have been straight up ham and like Joel brings like some humanity to this character, which wouldn't have had it otherwise because mm -hmm. even with Junichi Suabe he is straight up sex so it's hard for Junichi Suabe to do humanity sometimes so I'm glad that's the way that it went um and as for Gija my boy my boy my Ian oh uh, 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 uh. dragon <laughs> this just Gigi not a really... Valentine's Day episode unless we talk about Ian and then Gigi splooshes Gigi just wants place. to get her hands on those about... dragon balls Oh my god. That arm though. That big arm. Yes. Oh, All the better for fingering. God damn it. So <laughs> no, but... no. Ow. God, that hurts just a Yeah, that about. hurts. Just clip that it. Put, hurt. Get the get the nail covers from Devil's oh, Fuck. You need to make dragon dragon sized versions of them. <laughs> if they can work for devils, they can work for dragons. You need oh. to make dragon versions of them though. My He's got he's got look, 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 look. He's got a normal hand. My boyfriend's he does gonna have a dump hand. me. <laughs> Nobody wants to play with the normal hand. Nope. Um. Anyway, moving on. So it was really nice that Ian could be kind of princely here. I love it when Ian is princely because it means he's super adorable. Um, and this seems like his normal voice. It sounds exactly like his character in MMO Junkie, which I loved his character in MMO Junkie. Uh, Koei Wai. Which is basically Koi, the Ian best Sinclair. Boy. He is best boy. It's basically just Ian Sinclair being Ian Sinclair. And this is like Ian Sinclair being Ian Sinclair, but with a prince and a big yaoi hand. So I really <laughs> liked it. Uh, Shinha, Eric Vale. Um, such a soft voice for an intimidating character. But you know what? It works because um, he has to hide his power all the time. He has to hide his eyes all the time. He has to hide his face. So like, My I, brand. Think, I think the soft voice works for him. Even though he seems very intimidating on the inside. He's just a sweet little cinnamon roll. What up, Alejandro Saab? There's your shout out. You're not even in this show. Yes, he is, actually. Really? Yes, he is a background character in one of the episodes I found out. Nice. All right. Well, I stand corrected. There you go. Um, and finally, Jeno. Mm. 
I feel that if Jenna were maybe in some more episodes, I could have given him more than what I'm going to give him now. As it is, I didn't recognize that it was Josh Greeley, which is like the thing where he played the lizard dude in Mononokian, and I didn't recognize that it was Josh Greeley. Um, the southern accent went on in and out again. That annoyed the shit out really? of me. Really? Yep. I didn't catch that. Mm. There's a southern accent in the very when he first starts talking. He has a southern accent. Annoyed huh. the shit out of me. There was no time to develop this character, so I'm going to give it a pass and say that maybe there was something down the line that could maybe happen if we were to get a second season. Um, but when he was in game mode, that was good Jeno. Hated Jeno when he was like the carefree, air quotes, whatever the Hippie. fuck he was trying to do. Yeah. But when Jeno was in game mode, that was Jeno in game mode. And he did not have that southern accent. So I believe that it was a choice to give him the southern accent. So, bugged the shit out of me. Hated it. Okay. Um, but that was all I have to say about my dragons. I love Gija. I wish Gija were mine forever. I would keep him in a cage and he would like it. That is the end of my TED Talk. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I don't even know how to give a TED Talk. <laughs> That's okay. Now you're doing most of the people who give TED Talks. No, all right, then. Noah, did you want to go next or do you want to go last? Um... I, I don't think my thoughts are as profound, so I'll go before you if that's okay. That's fine. I, I, well, I just wanted to say that um, I think it was really impressive that we finally got the big dragon crossover movie. Like, after they made individual movies for all four of these dragons that Marvel put out, and then we had that spinoff character, that movie oh, with just the squirrel. I thought it was really great God. that they got them all into one Damn movie. <laughs> this was the, you know, this was the Avengers of the dragon movies that we all got together. Stop it. It's, sorry, it's what I felt like. <laughs> You, you, uh, what's that? I forget what the one movie is where um, Gary Oldman is like, bring me everyone. What do you mean everyone? Everyone! God damn it. Is it Dragonheart with Sean Connery? No, no, it's uh, it's like, I, I don't even remember what it's called. I just, I just know the clip is with Gary Oldman. Anyway, your thoughts on the performances, Noah? Sheen Ha by Eric Vale does not get as much to say, and I get the feeling that... Um, I'm wondering like how much they had to bring Eric Vale in for like uh, just breath noises to fill in the the tiny little bits that he does speak. But when we do get to hear him, when we get his focus episodes, Eric Vale did a good job. He's a character that uh, is in direct contrast to uh, Gija because you know he's being ostracized by his own people, and it, it's got the best build up. I think like even without any voice acting, there's a whole lot of like. You feel sorry for the guy. It's probably why he's the the story that I wish was more fleshed out just a little bit more. But, you know, he fills the role that he's got in there. And I don't have any problems with the way that uh, Eric Vale provided the voice on that one. Uh, same thing with Josh Greeley. It's, it, Josh just has this likable voice. Like, he's just a likable, normal speaking voice in general. And that's probably the entire reason why there's any charm in his performance for that one episode that we get there. Got no problems with that at all. Um, I know that plenty of people had problems with the fact that he only shows up in the last episode. And the show itself even calls out the fact that, does it seem a little too easy? We're just dumping the character in without having to go see him in the very last episode. But yeah, for those two, the I think it's a, I think it's implied, like, in the manga, though, that he's been following him around the whole time. I was wondering, Wait, what? Like, when everyone was saying that he wasn't in the show very much, I was going to joke, no, 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 he's been there the whole time. I think that is the joke. I mean, if, if if there was anyone on staff who had some real balls, they would, like, 
pencil him into the backgrounds of every episode, and it would be a Where's Waldo throughout the entire series. That would be fun. But I don't think they did that. Fucking funny. But so for those two characters, I just want to say, uh, actually, I like what they did. Um, but in contrast, though, um, all four of these characters don't really, they're not distinct enough from one another, I don't think, in terms of the way that they speak. Um, and I, I think I know the reason for that. Like, when we have an ensemble cast, I like when there's differences between the voices, not just the way they speak, but also the way they sound. And all four of these kind of sound very similar to me. And I think the reason for that was this is a pick your own flavor kind of cast. It's a, the girls are going to like one of these four dragons. Maybe not all four, but they will like at least one of them. So they're. It's like sort of an Otome pro protag, but not an Otome protag. Right. This is a straight up shoujo. This is a reverse harem. This is a reverse harem. This is not a legitimate reverse harem. Right. So with the four dragons, you've got different variations of the same build, kind of. You have the same tenor voice with. Um, not not a whole lot of gruffness to them. Like they're not old men. They're young. They're young men. So Ian Sinclair's Gija is the one who's been brought up to be like a prince or like a god throughout his entire life. So for that, his speech pattern is much more royal. He's got this more princely royal proclamation kind of voice to him that you know, contrasts with the other voices pretty well, and it keeps him calm, cool, and collected, even when he's, like, going out against Hawk and how he gets pissed off about being called White Snake all the time, which, you idiot, that was a compliment. I would kill to be called White Snake. Thank you very much. So his, uh, his dynamic, I guess, is well-performed. And I didn't even think at all about the difference of Ian Sinclair being better fitted to be Jeha because he just fit really well as Gija's character. I think the way that they were all introduced was pretty natural so i had no problems with that i do think though that uh jiha by joel mcdonald was the most fun be just because he's got that carefree devil may care uh slut man attitude to him that come on how many of us don't don't find that kind of appealing e even speaking as the token hetero boy of the group that da -da 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 -da, slut man <laughs> He was, I love the slutty one. There, there was an entire scene. I also love the slut in this show. <laughs> well, he loves you too. Jeha is my favorite slutty anime character. I like the fact that uh, he, I don't know if this was intentional. I don't know if this was intentionally cribbed from another material, but they reference that he can not fly, but he can jump really good. Almost to the point that it feels like he's flying, which reminds me a whole lot of the original character of Superman who could not fly. He could only jump all over large buildings. There's even an exact shot, which I screen capped and put in the chat, that shows him having a Superman carrying Lois Lane situation with Yona. I'm like, DC copyright lawyers are gonna get you for that. Don't worry, they're too busy fucking up live action movies. <laughs> that they are. But as for Joel's performance, Savage. I like Joel's performance. Like, it's really well acted. Even if the voice, I don't think quite fits. Like, I don't think it's um sexual enough. I do think the acting is pretty pitch perfect. He's got this, like I said, carefree attitude that is um, is not very gruff. It's more playboyish, and it's the kind of take me away on your adventure kind of voice that fits really well yeah. with his persona. Nice. So um, yeah, if I, I'm not gonna pick a favorite out of here, but they're all good boys, and I hope that they get. I hope they find the Dragon Balls that they've been searching for. Damn it! <laughs> Wrong show. I'm gonna pick a favorite. His name is Shinha. <laughs> I still, I still love the blue dragon. Blue dragon is best dragon. Um, You're here for the blue eyes, white dragon. 
I'm here for the blue eyes, white dragon. Where is Seto The White Kaiba? dragon has green eyes. Thanks. He has gold eyes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no, wait, fuck. I I'm here for your super rare, fudgy, ultra significant blue dragon. God damn it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Remember, the blue eyes, white dragon exists only in Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. But we don't loot the white dragon from Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. And you don't lose Shinna either. It's true, you Who don't says? lose Shinna. Well, uh, Who but says? there's a perfectly good J. There are 20 pages <laughs> of Yona fanfic Dojin out here that perfectly contradicts that. Wait, you found actual Yona Dojin you didn't tell me? I've been looking for years. <laughs> I feel like he's just making this shit up as he goes. No, I no, it, no, it's uh, right here. It's right here on the uh, on the Catholic website, right here. You know. Oh, He's crazy. definitely making this. Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> anyway. Gonna... anyway. Catholics are into some kinky be... shit, let me tell you. Duh. Yeah, uh, duh. duh. Um, this is gonna I, compl- I don't I like how all three of the girls are like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> shit. Anyway. I've watched seven mortal sins. <laughs> anyway. So, Christ. my thoughts on these dragons. I'm gonna start with Jeno. Jeno doesn't get to do a lot. Which really sucks because Zeno is actually a really interesting character. Um, when you read the manga, he's a very, very interesting character, all things considered. And I, I love Josh's Zeno. Like he, he's, he has the two-faced attitude to him. He has the goofy side. It's just like I like food. I'm so hungry. Like la di da da. But then, like Gigi was saying before, like when he, when he gets his game on, he gets his game on. Like came on, came on. <laughs> Shit. Um, and I do enjoy it a lot. The only downside is, of course, again, we only have Geno in one episode, and that's it. Um, so we don't have much time to spend with Josh as Geno. Um, but we do have a lot of time with the other three. Uh, though in Shinha's case, Shinha's case, um, Eric Vale, there's a reason why I mentioned Fruits Basket, Hitalia, and to an extent, Noragami. Um, cause for a while, it had been a while since Eric has played the more soft-spoken character, which of course, Shinha is a soft-spoken character. And I really appreciate them putting Eric into this role because Shinha is just so, such a doofy, adorable little sheltered ga- little kid. And it's so cute. <laughs> like you don't lose, there's a reason why you don't lose the blue dragon, <laughs> but he is also one of the more tragic stories too because of his upbringing because his village where he grew up didn't were feared the blue dragon and the upbringing he has and what we learn about his story is just very gut-wrenching um which it was Brittany Karbowski right baby baby. yes it was Brittany Karbowski which Brittany Karbowski was spot on as baby Shinha um but Eric is just so adorable and soft-spoken, and I just enjoy it so, so much. He's, he's scared and gentle, and it's one of the few times that we see him play this kind of character. Um, and on those rare occasions where we do see him play this kind of character, it's always a nice welcome change from the asshole or the womanizing guy that we usually associate Eric Vale performances with. So I appreciate that a lot. Um, Ian's Gija is just a bumbling idiot, but he has a ton of energy, and I appreciate that. Um, which brings a fun and f- a fun dynamic 
and a fun burst of energy to it. Um, he, he is the butt of the joke. Gija, Gija is the butt of the joke the majority of the fucking time. But considering the kind of upbringing that Gija has, because in his village, the white dragon is revered almost to like a godlike level. All so of the women sense. want his dragon dick. <laughs> it's mine. Back off. <laughs> it's true. But, um, yeah, like, there's a lot of energy and just goofiness to the character. I appreciate that a lot. The strangest and probably one of the more riskier casting choices is Joel, McJo Joel McDonough as Jiha, though. Because you don't normally associate Joel McDonald with this kind of character. At all. And I really love it. <laughs> it's a very fun change. I didn't even write any notes on Joel. That is... Oh, no, I did. The womanizing... <laughs> this is... I thought I didn't. No, this is See, the... entirely the same as his character from Space Dandy. I think it's entire... It's very similar. So I don't know what you're saying when you say this is different. Meow is not that much of a womanizing pervert. I... Were we watching the same show? It's also been a hot minute since I've seen Space Dandy. The but. It, but to be fair, though, even if Jiha and Meow are in the same category, again, look at all the other characters that he's been. Very yep. Meow is also is yeah. also a lot more casual sounding than uh, Jiha. Yeah, that too. Like the woman is imperfect is not typically the kind of character that you would normally see Joel play. No, no. Like not like even normal. even if you put him in, he's the lead Ray in Seki Ray as well, which is a show which mm -hmm. begs to make, be a, a womanizer. But no, he's not. In that yeah. show. But the point is, it's definitely a lot of fun because Jiha is a womanizer, a pervert, a masochist, probably bisexual, more than likely bisexual. Hell yeah! <laughs> like, he's a bunch of these things rolled into this one character, like a bunch of these different tropes rolled into one. And to be able to bounce all of that and still have his own morals and his own goals in life because Jihad doesn't want to be tied down to his fate. He doesn't want to be associated with the four Dragon Warriors at all. Like, he just wants to live his own life. So to have all of these tropes mixed in here, plus the morals and his own viewpoint on life mixed in here to give him like, like, um, who was saying it? He's, he's, uh, more human. It was, was it Gigi? Yes, that was me. Yeah, he gives him like a he it was kind of humanized him in a way, which is very it makes it much more complex for a character. So, I really appreciate that Joel is able to take a character trope that he normally doesn't really play, and make it not only more human but keep the complexities very like handles the complexities of Jiha's character actually rather well, in my honest opinion. Um, I'd say out of the four dragons, while Shinha is best dragon to me. Jiha is actually probably my favorite performance of before, because of all of these, all these moving pieces into this character and personalities into this one character that Joel has to portray, and I really, really appreciate that. Um, I mean, he does also, he gets the most fun arc. That's he a does. standalone arcs. Like you, you yeah. get like, like, like compared to all the other dragons, Jiha's arc is probably the large, the longest compared to all of them. We're gonna go bust a human trafficking ring. 
Hell yeah. Um, are we ready to move on? Oh my god, I'm so excited to make the joke I've been sitting on for the last five fucking years. Oh no. I think we better uh, pop this balloon. God damn it. Alright, so our final four characters, we're gonna try and go through them individually if, pos if possible. Um, if we run into time- Please also let me go first for this segment. <laughs> If we run into time issues, we'll put two of them together. I know which two it'll be. But first, we're going to talk about the beautiful Bishonen boy genius. We have Yoon, um, one of the few human main characters we have in the show. Yoon. The most normal human being in the entire fucking show. Yes. Yoon, Yoon is a very interesting character. I, I like I like Yoon. He's probably one of my favorite characters in the entire show. Anyway, um, he he's a self-proclaimed beautiful boy genius. Um, who knows how to cook, he knows how to take care, like, medicines, and he's, he's very knowledgeable, like, more street smarts, but he wants can to I, also can be- Can I, can I do his smarts. introduction to, uh, to Granny? What? Boy, what can you do? Well, I am beautiful. I can cook, clean, make medicine, I'm really good with explosives. <laughs> yep. That's basically how he introduces But himself. I'm a pacifist, so I don't fight people. Yeah. Um, and- Yoon, Yoon's character goes through a lot of developments throughout the show too because he is technically a very sheltered individual as well um, until Iksu is like hey Yona you want to take this kid with you? <laughs> like take him with you! <laughs> Have, see the Please world! take my 15 year old son out of the house he knows nothing. He knows nothing of this world. He thinks he thinks Naruto's in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Anyway... The individual voicing this character as the voice of Yoon, it is our ADR director, uh, Mr. Clifford Chapin, who has been in series such as Attack on Titan, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Denoi Tese. And people are either going to murder me or applaud me for this. He's also in Gangsta. Can I please go first? You go ahead. Oh boy. Oh, oh god. First of all, I'd like to repeat one of my actual favorite lines that Yoon says in the entire show. Which is, well, I am more attractive than the average female. I mean, look at me. Yes. Um, yep. Also, also one of my other favorite ones. Hey, Yoon, what's up? My blood pressure, that's what! <laughs> Yoon is so sarcastic and snarky. Yoon is a great. sassy little bitch. He's sassy, I Yoon is it. a sassy little bitch. Remember the issue I had... Earlier in this episode, which feels like an eternity ago, about them not being consistent about female actresses playing younger versions of their characters? Guess where it fucking is! It He's couldn't so, be with so this angry. character. But... It's fucking Yoon, and it bothers the living shit out of me. And this is this. In other shows where Clifford Chapin usually plays an adult character, here's the thing. Uh, I like that you actually brought up Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Denui Tessa. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? When his character shows up as a younger version of themselves, they are played by Caitlin Glass, who, by the way, is a lady. Every other character in this show that is a male that has a younger version of them show up and that character opens their fucking mouth. Except for Teenage Hawk. But then again, he was actually in the range where that character, like, where the character models were, like, that's where they would be starting to play by male. Hell, even, like, baby Michaela's character as a little boy is played by a woman. They don't make Cliff, they make Cliff play ultra baby Yoon. And it's rough. It is, like, pushing his range. And it feels as uncomfortable 
as it, it, it feels as uncomfortable as it probably Now, is. for context, you're talking um, about in the scenes where he is basically a starving he, urchin, and you've got this yes. dramatic, I need to steal to survive with this super high yes. squeaky voice. Yes, and it is kind of painful to listen to. And again, I don't think Clifford's a bad, bad actor. I do think that his Suwon, his Yoon is a little rough sometimes, because look here. I get that Yoon is 15. I really do. But Yoon isn't built like Bakugo. And when Yoon yells, guess where it immediately goes to? I, I have to disagree. It didn't come off as like that to me. It came off as a softer Bakugo to mm. me. I, I, Again, this is my own personal opinion. Right. I actually don't think that Clifford's Yoon is bad unless it's... Like, I have a lot of issues with him being made to play, like, child Yoon. Well, I get that. I think that they... That that should have been... For the sake of not only consistency, it should have been a female actor. Unless it's, it's, unless it's like, somebody like... I'm trying to think of another actor who's played, like, an ultra-young version of themselves... But I can't think of another male actor like yeah, male actor. Not that's even, not even, not even when Micah was um, uh, uh, Ame and the Wolf Children. It was a different. It was a different yep. person. Like I, I honestly don't remember anybody else going that far. I mean, Micah <laughs> no, did no, play baby did for Ichiro you in, in Seraph. Yeah, it was only in Seraph at the end where I think that it kind of worked a little bit. But even then, I don't know how much behind the scenes work was done on that one that's the one that i was thinking of and even then like looking back on it now it's a little rough too see um, i can forgive that this situation if it was like a one scene flashback but it goes on for an entire episode pretty much and here's the thing with surf at the end it, it goes on a couple of times in there too so mm. you haven't watched that show yet it's um <laughs> we still need to subject and do it Lar large caveat large large uh, large caveat on that like I said, I don't think Clifford Chapin's a bad you. I do think that for my own tastes, like, I think he's not the strongest performance in the show. I think that he is a, a little bit outshined by the other dragons. Um, I would say out of, out of the four individual characters that we're talking about, he's probably the number three on the scale of all right, if you had to pick out of these four characters, who's your like? Who do you think is the best performance? He's number three. Um, but let's be but let's but, be honest here. If we're playing Mary Fuck Kill with Yoon, everyone would pick Mary. <laughs> oh hell yeah. hell yeah! Every one of you. Oh hell yeah! Everyone would marry Yoon. I would Everyone's not pick Yoon to marry. Okay. What? Out of but, out of the dragons, Yoon, Yona, and Shinna. You mean Sue? Who do you marry? No one's marrying no. Sumo. We're killing him. No, but you said Shinna. You said, like, you and the four dragons, Jonas, Shinna. I'm like, wait a second, hold on. You only get I'm three choices in Fuck, Mary Kill. Okay, fine. If you get Fuck, Mary Kill out of Hawk, Jonas, and Yoon, who you do, who you kill, who you what, marry. What do you mean you only get three Why of the pick? Why is Yona in there? <laughs> oh, fuck. You know what? Fuck I, it. I, Never mind. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, I, I, like I said, I don't think that, I don't think that Clip's a bad Yoon. I really don't. I think that there are times where it pushes on on being a little bit uncomfortable for me to listen to it and like i said i am really severely disappointed from a direction standpoint that they wouldn't have a female actor come in to to play younger yoon especially when a lot of the actors that usually do little boy characters uh are kind of kicking around in this show i mean hi lindsay seidel's in this show hello ryan reynolds is in the show 
Um, uh, trying to think of some of the other female voices that I think I heard Morgan Berry around at one point. Like, like it's not like the option's not there, guys. Like, I, I understand with with. And I can't even say, like, with the simuldub parameter, because this episode's not in the simuldub half of the show. Yeah, that's the thing. This this part was recorded after the fact. Dirt words. So it's like, it's like you, you guys had the time. And look, I understand. Clifford's a talented actor. Like I said, it is just kind of a, a choice I don't like. It's a choice I don't like. I don't agree with it. As a fan, I'm kind of very, very baffled, especially when... Uh, you did it for every other character that's a younger male character that speaks um, of the main cast. Like, Shinaz, Baby Shinaz got somebody. I don't think Gidra, Baby Gija talks, so... Uh, baby Jeha didn't talk. We don't see Baby uh, Geno. Um, but, like, Baby Suwon has a, a different voice. Like I said, Baby Hawk and Teenage Hawk have, like, two different voices. So it's just very much like a what the fuck, y'all. I know that sounds very crude and very crass, but it is a it is a serious... What the hell? Okay. Alright. I think the perf older performance is good, and I think that he gets the sarcasm across. And I think he does, too, a, fal a falsetto girl voice pretty decent. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to pull in the part about that, because... that Can I go next on this? Because I've yes, got... Yes, Yoon, I love Yoon. I, I love Yoon, not just as a person, not just as a voice, but just as an entity into the existence of the show. Because I have not seen a shoujo show like this that has a character like Yoon in it. Because Yoon's portrayal as a uh, as a, a male character who is not a fighter, can do the things that women can do, in any other show, in a lesser show, would be played off as, um, as like a girl, basically. Like, he would be, like, everyone would treat him like a girl, he would be portrayed as a girl, and the show would probably cast him to be voiced by a girl. I think he is voiced by a woman in Japan. Really? That's about, that was that was going to be my point. The Seiyu is female, so that is a very big challenge that he has to overcome because of it. Yeah, he does. And I like the fact that the show is actually, for a couple of scenes, especially with the pirate scenes, the show seems to be very bi-gay friendly in just the sense that they're not mocking anyone who says that Yoon would be a good wife to them. They, they actually are kind of like... Like one of the guys like openly asks to marry him, I yeah. think. Yes. And it doesn't like, maybe it's just the dub made it more soft than it was in the Japanese, but it sounds much more like, um, no, this is actually like, okay, but we treat this as, as legitimate as a male female relationship. But I, the parts where Yoon is like in the flashback scene where we're seeing his, uh, upbringing where he first meets uh, Iksu and they're both um, like, you know, starving because Iksu is a dumbass who gives away all of his possessions. That really didn't bug me too much. Like it, it, it struck a nerve with me in just the sense that I noticed it and I thought, okay, they're not using a female actor. That's interesting. But there was, there was enough, huh. there was enough gravity in the scene that it, it wasn't the first thing on my mind. The first thing on my mind was, if you're going to cut away from the main focus of the show, which is Yona, this is a good way to indicate how bad things are getting in the kingdom, which is the whole reason for that backstory. Because mm -hmm. the the kingdom under Ill is getting pretty downtrodden because he re he's very passive. The king is passive. So it was a good flashback for that. And Clifford Chapin's performance is great all around. Even if the voice doesn't quite fit, he gets the sarcasm portions, he gets the serious portions, he gets that soon. He is such a goddamn Sundare, right? That's the first thing I wrote in the <laughs> chat when I started about to, like, holy shit, Clifford, you yeah, is like, a Sundare. Like, if it's not, if it's not clear by, like, even though, like, I did have a lot of problems with it, like, I do, th I do think that as an actor that he gets a lot of that point across. I'm just, like, at times I'm just like, okay, just, just a little bit too, like, 
not what I was expecting. And right. So, also, because I had to look up who his Seiyu was, I found out, Gigi, if you're, you're going to probably find this really interesting, is that in the Japanese version of Sailor Moon Crystal, Yoon is played by Sailor Uranus. Huh. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I like it a lot. But yeah, Clifford Chapin's got the... I mean, he had the most to work with of the... Uh, yeah, all of the main characters, just because he's such a different entity in any kind of show I've seen. He's not played for jokes for being for knowing things that quote unquote women are supposed to know, and he's not uh, he's not made to seem less masculine because of that. Because he does some pretty masculine things, you know. He sets he sets off the uh, fire or he almost he smuggles in the firework that they use to tip off where the pirates are keeping the girls. He's the one who cures everyone. He does all the cooking. Like, this is a kind of guy who is, like, more masculine than some of the other men out there. So if you want to know how to be a man, take notes from Yoon in this show. Also, looking it up, um, Yoon is the only person of the male characters, just like in the English, that, uh, doesn't, that has a, um, doesn't have a younger, a female come play him for the younger version. Okay. So that is consistent across languages. Yep. Which would so make sense I can understand because if they, they had a female yeah. voice already. Female actor, yeah. yeah. So, like, I can understand them keeping it for consistency, but here's the thing, they used a female actor for Yoon. It doesn't... That's why it can it make It doesn't sense. bug me too much. Like, I can get over some things. This is one of the things where I could get over just because Clifford's acting in it was just so pitch perfect to both the comedy and the serious moments throughout. Okay. I think as older Yoon, but younger Yoon, it's just the tone where I feel like he's mm. pushing it so far that it's a little bit hard to listen to. I, I guess I've got I have a little levity when it comes to anime voice acting like that, just just because I'm used to it in some instances. I mean, okay, I'm used to there being female voice actors taking over when they're younger, and it's such a contrast to me. I think I like it's so much of a contrast that if you aren't used to it, then you'll feel like you're maybe watching a different show entirely. So I, my brain is wired to allow for that kind of disconnect. Like you're not going to get, well, cause you're not going to get child actors. You're just not going to get child actors to do that. Yeah. And I, under, and I understand that. Here's the thing. That's why another thing as a director, I think you have to pick an actress that matches up to the older version of the character that you're playing. Like if you have the time to sit and cast and do that, I think you do it. That's like one of the biggest things I think I, I went on to praise in the Legend of the Galactic Heroes dub that Funimation did is that I felt like uh, for all of the younger versions of the characters that transitioned to the older versions of the characters, they did a really good job selecting actors that perfectly matched into the older versions of them. Fair. Like, I don't mean to be argumentative towards it. I'm just saying, like, this is how I feel. I'm sure that, no, I mean, and this is why I'm sure there are listeners out there who are on your side, and there are ones who are on my side, and then there's ones in the middle who are just like, get on with it! it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Gigi, did you want to go next, or you want me to go next? I don't even remember that Cliff was a little boy in this, so... Potatoes. There you go. You, <laughs> Yeah, okay. This is how much... Yeah, anyway, I love soft Cliff Chapin. I love him here more than I love him as Bakugo, and I fucking love Bakugo, so that's what I'm saying about that. Um, Yoon is an adorable little prince. I like Yoon, but his girl voice is terrible. Like, it was just bad. Like, and I think it could have been a choice to make it that bad, just so, like, clearly the dude who's trying to hire Yoon as a girl for human trafficking is just a fucking idiot because i mean yeah cute and all but like that voice was not a girl voice 
but you know that's ju- that's a choice too. I don't remember Baby Yoon at all, so I love Soft Cliff though. I would like to hear Cliff do more soft things like this and Legend of the Galactic Heroes. I feel bad. I feel that sometimes his vocal cords might be shredding slightly from having to yell all the time as Bakugo. But I like him here as Soft Cliff. Yoon has got no chill. So soft. So soft. Rub, 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 rub. rub. This is not Royal Tudor, guys. It's okay, though. We'll make it work. Um, that, that, that all you have? Yeah, dude, I was falling asleep, so... <laughs> well, let's wait. Okay, okay, Gigi. Okay, think about this. Think about half-naked dragons doing a pole dance. Ew. <laughs> think of your boyfriend serving you a platter of chocolate-covered strawberries in a tuxedo. Better. Okay. <laughs> with, there we go. With sexy back playing in the background. God damn it. <laughs> And and, okay. and and a smoke machine. <laughs> oh my! Now this is a fantasy she's gonna be dreaming about tonight. Good job. Hold buddy. on, I I gotta send a DM. Talk amongst <laughs> yourselves. Uh, to your boy. You gotta let us know what he says after two. Actually. <laughs> okay. All anyway. right. <laughs> so I guess that leaves me. Um, here's my thing. There's actually, there's a reason why I brought up the credit of Mikhail from Gangsta for Cliff on this one. Um, if To hurt people. <laughs> again, you either like the performance in Gangsta or you absolutely hate it. Um, but here's the thing. If anybody in this show is going to be testing their range in all shapes and sizes, it's gonna be Cliff. Mm-hmm. Because he has the baby voice. He has regular voice. He has the female voice. He is the (laughs) one actor in this show that has to just be very flexible with his range. And I, I do applaud him for that. It's not an easy thing to do. Like, I have to give him some credit on this one. Because, I mean, Noah, can you even imagine yourself successfully playing a younger version of yourself? Uh, honestly... Yes, kind of. I, I'm okay, because you know my normal... I, I know I'm poking holes in your theory here, but not convincingly. Oh, you, not convincing. Like that, there we go. Like, when we did the disclaimer for the Wolf Children movie, I knew I wanted a younger voice, and I knew that I could not do that. So I'm like, I need to get my mini-me to do this instead. There you go. So you kind of get what I'm saying. So it's not an easy thing to do. And considering... And considering Megan already brought up, one, it's a female Seiyu who voices Yoon. Two, the female Seiyu voices every aspect of it, too. So, more than likely, this is a consistency choice here. Um, which, if that's the way they're going, perfectly fine. Sometimes you have to break from the Japanese! I know! <laughs> I'm aware! I'm just saying, for a consistency choice, I understand. And because of that... I have to at least applaud Cliff for the effort put into this and the, the vast amount of range he has to put into this. Now, I feel like after you all go, I need to go again. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing. Does it work the entire time? No. Like, as someone who really loves this character, this is probably my favorite character in the entire fucking show, and I love Cliff to death in this role, it doesn't it doesn't 100% work 
because of the moments in the flashbacks where see i didn't have a consistent problem with baby yoon didn't have it's not consistent but there were moments where i'm sitting there and i'm like oh no please don't kill your voice please don't do it <laughs> like there were moments where it seemed like it was reaching to trying to reach too far and it didn't come off that strong there were moments where i felt that and it just made me fear for his voice instead when it gets to that point then i'm like oh no sweetie no 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 please don't don't do this to yourself but i do appreciate like the effort that he put in there for the vast amount of range that Yoon has in the show and despite Gigi not thinking he can pass as a girl i actually think it worked pr i think it worked pretty well i think it was pretty good um could he completely pass as a girl? Probably not. Hell no. <laughs> but given given the circumstances, I think it works. It's it's manageable, I would definitely say. Obviously the obviously that's the whole point is Yoon's in disguise, obviously. Um and again with the with the weird the weird conundrum of having a female say you as Yoon doesn't help things at all. Um but given given what Cliff has in the show and the vast amount of range that he does put on display I applaud him for that it's not 100% successful and doesn't 100% come off that way but one I appreciate the immense amount of effort because he's the only one who has to expand his range like this in the entire show um, and two Yoon is sassy as a motherfucking asshole and I love it <laughs> <laughs> Yoon is a sassy little bitch <laughs> I am. I am a beautiful boy genius. He is a beautiful... Clifford Chavin is a beautiful boy genius and is a sassy <laughs> motherfucker, and I appreciate it. Um, I, 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 I wish... I like. I wish that he had, like, that... Okay, in the old Wile E. Coyote cartoons, he would... Mm -hmm. The Coyote would come out with a business card that said, Wile E. Coyote, certified genius. I want Yoon to have something like that. Oh my god, please do. <laughs> and to add on to Seth's point, I do appreciate that Cliff... Did, did have the ability to get across a lot of the stuff that he had to get across while having to put it in range. Yes. Like, it's, this is not me be like trying to be a dick for the sake of being a dick, guys. It's, it's, which is weird because I think like somebody once came into Chet's DMs and said, oh, you guys are never negative on this show. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding? Bitch, <laughs> like, we have a bitch? long have list. Have you watched the free episode? We have a long list of negatives here. Now it's, it's basically like as a casual, like putting it this way casual me watching the show absolutely love the performance critical me there are pieces that just seem like it's thank reaching. you it thank critical you critical side of me it does the performance especially the younger version does reach too far and i don't think it comes off very well at times okay good thank you because I, I was like i sound like such an asshole <laughs> no 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 like i can see both sides of it like again i love yun as a character he's my favorite character in the show i love close performance in it it's one of my favorite performances but from a critical standpoint i do have to point out that it can be a little rough on the younger version and it can get to a point where it seems like it's reaching too far to a point where it's like again if i have to be concerned like oh, oh sweetie please don't lose your voice that's where i think it goes too far you know what I mean? But but he is still mm -hmm. a good boy. He is. He's a very Yoon good boy. Yoon is best boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get the, I really do get the impression that the mangaka really liked this character more than any of the other characters that he wrote. I actually am wrote. half tempted after rewatching the show to to cosplay like a gender swap cosplay of Yoon. 
No, 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 no. And now no, from best boy got, to worst boy. You have got boy. to get Andrew to cosplay as Yoon. You have got to get... I will oh my pay God. for that. I will commission I that. He was twink He's twinky enough to do it. <laughs> I will. There you go. He has to shave, though. <laughs> anyway, from, from now... Oh, wait, hold on. Before, is before, now, before you move on, you said you wanted to hear the answer to this GM. Yes. And it is... It's exactly how I want to treat you. Be your loyal, fabulous servant and feed you all manners of delight. <laughs> oh, oh, baby. <laughs> you hit Happy the... Valentine's Day to me, bitches. You hit the jackpot. Ooh, baby. I really did. Yes, you did. For my Valentine's Day, my boyfriend and I will probably be playing Kingdom Hearts 3 and crying at each other. <laughs> For my Valentine's Day, I will be at work. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen otherwise. I think I, I literally DM'd Roots and said, hey, uh, so your birthday's like two weeks before Valentine's Day. Do you just want to save Valentine's Day from when we're together at AB so we can be romantic together? Aww. And the answer was yes. Sure, why not? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and my Valentine. I love you, honey. So you, all, you all have it easy. You all have it easy because the boys have to do most of the planning for Valentine's Day. I See, look here. Like, Andrew and I never had the conversation about Valentine's Day. I don't even know what the fuck's going on anymore. I'm like, I'm just kind of like, Valentine's, <laughs> me and Valentine's Day, I'm just like, eh. Just all step right. swerving from best boy to worst boy. Best boy to worst boy. Let's talk about Suwon. Murderer! He's, uh, uh, he's great fun Suwon. at parties. Very, yeah. I just sue one. <laughs> Worst sweet sixteen ever. Best family reunion ever. God damn it. So Sue, I mean, they are like Alabama. She did want her cousin's dick. It's true. Suwon is Yona's cousin. They are also they also they grew up together along with Hawk. Um, Yona develops very strong feeling for Suwon, but Suwon is like, nah, fam, I'm gonna kill your dad and then become king of the country. Because your dad did bad things to my dad, but my dad was a bad off fucking person. <laughs> Who was also played by Johnny Young Bosch. Johnny Bosch. <laughs> Which is going to make this section funnier. Uh, so Suwon is voiced by Micah Solasad. And baby Suwon is voiced by Afi Yu. <laughs> Even better. Um, but Micah Solasad. Is... <laughs> I'd like to point out that baby Yoon is like the smoothest character in the entire show. You mean baby Suwon? Yeah, baby Suwon is fucking smooth. Oh, yeah. Don't worry, Yona. I'll hold your hand all night while we sl and we can sleep together. That that yep. that dude hit top. Me and Yona, early. no, like me and Yona have shared a bed all the time. Anyway, Micah Solasad, you probably heard him in a few things, like Assassination Classroom, Codebreaker, and Yuri on Ice. Who wants to go first? I vote Gigi so she can keep tearing. <laughs> Gigi, you want to go first now, on G your thoughts on Micah? Gigi, you, we know you have a thing for. In shows like this, you have a thing for the asshole characters. Uh, we, where does this hit you on your <laughs> scale of it. on your scale of bangable to kickable? Where does Suwon fit? Bangable to kickable. Wow, that's is, the scale. Is bangable the high number or the low? Yes. Oh yes. Number, bangable, bangable is the high. Is the high. high number. Bangable is at is at <gasps> take me, daddy, as I am. Like a seven. Okay. So he's at he's at the I'd give him a handy and a blow. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I'm getting full male jacket um, flashbacks now. Damn it. Yeah. So Micah had to toe the line between being a prince and being um, an evil dick. Basically, uh, this character is super complicated, and it's hard. This is a very hard character. It's a very hard line to toe. Um, and by the end, you don't know if you want to still love him or if you want to hate him. 
And Yona felt that too at the very end. Oh yeah. Like she didn't know what the hell to do. She's like, I could have killed him, but I didn't kill him. She had six and I felt perfectly hot guys that she could choose from, but no, she's still swinging for the bad boy. Exactly. You always got to swing for the bad boy. And I was just like, even if he's your direct cousin, you know, you can't love if you lo- think of it. It's hard to like get over. Back in, in this period thing. I know. I'm just joking. Okay. I'm just like in this thing. Like it, doesn't it really means nothing paddle faster like your tutors. banjo music ding, 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 yeah 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 it's like the way it's like the lannisters I, yeah what so it's a game of thrones reference oh anyway that's like a so a, 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 i've never heard of that show that's like a gardening show anyway whatever anyway <laughs> stop it and let's so, finish through the end of it I still didn't know whether I loved him or I hated him because you know I love the bad boys but he really was an actual piece of shit but still there's like that little piece of you that's like well maybe we can still get married <laughs> you know it's that it's that horrible horrible Stockholm syndrome that I tend to have a lot what's a little anyway, genocide was... amongst lovers right God it, damn it. stop it so, so Micah did a really great job like towing that line I thought he was fucking fantastic in this so bra fucking vo. Let's keep going because I really have to go in like twenty minutes. All right. Yeah, we really. Oh need shit! To go I'll go on. quickly I'll... on this one then. Okay, so, go quickly, please. Um, he's got, um, Suwon is. I don't think is a complex character. I think he's just a poorly written character because he's got the conflicting emotions mm-hmm. of he's supposed to be like, he wants what's best for the kingdom because his uncle screwed it all up, but in doing so, he's doing some pretty awful things. So. The way that he's written lends itself to being more of a princely character than a monster. I mean, we see the monster sack in the first episode, but after that, he doesn't really do anything that bad. So uh, the fact that they gave a voice that is Micah Solasad, who's got this flowery, princely kind of voice throughout most of it, is more fitting. If they gave the character a gruffer, rougher, less... Uh, less appealing voice, then it wouldn't fit at all. And the fact that he has the same speech pattern when he's both being funny and lighthearted, and also when he's talking about how serious he is about getting revenge for his father, uh, fits really well with the character. Like, he's not exactly putting on a facade when he's being nice, it's just he's like, he's trying to figure out how everyone is working by putting on this face that is a different part of himself. He shows different parts of himself to different types of people. He's a diplomat is what he is. So it's a good fit, even if you hate the character. And Micah's probably the right voice for this more than anyone else they could have put. I'm assuming that they also had a male voice in the Japanese as well. Okay. They did. So, yeah, for the parts as he's in, which is like couple episodes in the first half and then he like disappears throughout the second half he's uh it fits pretty well i'm sure there's more of the story out there once i get into the manga but for what we got here micah did a very good job awesome uh megan do you want to go next you want me to go next sure because i want to punch suwon into the sun (laughs) i remember that i remember that a long time ago i want to punch him into the space orbit Yes, he is. He is played by uh, by a gentleman. Uh, his name is uh, Yusuke Kobayashi. Ooh. Oh, he's the the lead in uh, ReZero, and he's like Zenji in Food Wars and, and stuff. But um, no, I I really like uh, Micah as Suwon, and I also like really like Afia as Baby Suwon. Um, I actually do think uh, Suwon is a complex character, unlike Noah. Um, I like that uh, Micah can very easily switch from being 
a cutesy to an absolute fucking stone cold monster in the drop of a hat. I think that honestly, I actually think that uh, Mike is my second favorite performance in the show behind Joel as Jeha as a Jeha. Fuck Jiha. whatever, Green Dragon. Jeha, damn it. Um, I I God I. I really want to say more, but I can't at this point in time. Um, I think that the, the aspect I like the most about Micah is that I feel like if the show was longer, we would get to explore more of the aspect of his psyche. Because I, I think Suwon as a character is very much... Uh, he doesn't want to admit it, but he is a little bit like his uncle where... Uh, the path to good intent... Uh, was it like the, ha the path to hell is paved with good intentions? Yep. Except for his intentions starts with regicide mm -hmm. and very traumatic regicide for Yona. And I I think to me one of my favorite moments in the show is not only the, the parts of the pretend war where you very clearly show that he is putting on like a huge facade, but it is when Yona runs into him at the port of Awa. Yes. And uh Yona's grabs his sword to she's gonna she's gonna straight up kill him in front of uh his servants. And he just puts his hand over her, and then he's like, at the very end, what were you punning? Did you kill me? That part fucking killed me. Just FYI. Fucking dead like, in the ground. Is, like, I'm not gonna lie that, like, you are, I think, supposed to see Suwon as, like, a romantic choice for her still. Mm. And I'm not gonna lie, the lighting and the dialogue in that scene is fucking attractive. You're not wrong. Like, it's, it's hot. You're not wrong. Like it's 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 shojo it's it's a shojo bullet, and I think that Micah was as much as I was very adamantly mad that like one of my favorite voice actors was like a character I despised so very much. I think Micah is a perfect fit, and haha, that's gonna be really funny going into the next section because oh, oh boy, um, go ahead, Steph. Yeah, I mean, I have to kind of agree on all those fronts, like. I, I kept calling Suwon a few times like a two-faced character. He really is. Like, like, like Megan was saying. He's like a fox. Yes. The path to hell is paved with good intentions. And for Su for Micah as Suwon, he plays the light, the nice, light-hearted, fluffy stuff, this facade that he has really well, actually. Very, very well. Because um, Suwon can be a bumbling idiot sometimes. Like, not gonna front there. But at the same time, and this is explored a hell of a lot more during the mock battle with Gunten, with Gunte, um, where it is this facade that he's put it, that he's playing. Like deep down, he is a very vicious and conniving individual who wants to, who's going to do what he can to make sure things go his way for the sake of the people of Koka Kingdom. And it's a very interesting duality that Micah does have to portray, and I think he portrays that very, very well. I will say the end where we do see him interact with Yona again is very, very, ooh, very, very potent. Where he's just like, what you think you, what, you, what were you going to do? Kill me in front of these people? What were you going to do then? Like, you really are going to do this? Like, right now? Seriously? <laughs> like, it's, it's a totally... He, he can be a goober, but he can also be really, really ruthless at times. And it, and I think 
this duality for Sue Won is a very interesting complexity to the character, and I think Micah pulls it off very well. Um, Sue Won does, again, having been reading the manga, Sue Won, he is a very integral character for a lot of the show, too, of course, of the series, of course, and you kind of get to explore a lot more with Sue Won. Um, the mock battle is basically like a precursor to an actual fight that Sue Won has to get involved in, like in the manga, and it's actually really interesting how that's played out for him, as well as for the Yona and the Happy Hungry Bunch, as they call themselves. Um, but I really, I really, really enjoyed Micah's performance as Suwon. It's definitely one of the stronger performances of the entire show, for sure. Um, we got two characters left. Are we ready to move on? Can we just come? We, I think we just need to combine these. Want to just combine the two of them for time's sake? Yes, please. Yes. Okay, we're gonna combine our last two characters for the sake of time. So we have Princess Yona, the princess of Koka Kingdom, and we have Sun Hawk, her bodyguard and the also known as the Lightning Beast, uh, who's formerly one of the five generals uh, for for the Wind Clan specifically. Um, and the two of them, basically after the death of King Il, just run off, try to survive, and now it's Yona's mission to gather the four dragon warriors and then try and figure shit out along the way after that. Like, in the anime, it's not stated, like, what her goal is. Um, what she wants to do. To put together isn't the it sexiest to, harem to... that anime has ever no, seen. No, it is not. Isn't it just to, like, retake the kingdom? It's not explicitly stated because it, it, it's not... See, that's what confused me, too. Cause you would think it's to retake the kingdom, but... You would think... He's not that's doing also, a bad job. That's also Geno... That, remember, that's also Geno saying, like, do you want to just, like, take the throne back? Do you want to, like, kill Suon? She doesn't know. She doesn't in give the, an answer. In, she doesn't give an answer. In the manga, it's more like she's trying to find these injustices throughout the kingdom. Because she has an opportunity to try and right these wrongs while not even in the palace. And we also see... Not having that responsibility. I think it was in, like, episode two, we see, like, this flash forward to when they're all gathered together and they're fighting off this huge army. Yep. And we never find out what the fuck that was all about. Yeah, because for for Yona in the manga, um, where I am at this point, she's taking it upon herself to do what she can to fix these wrongs that her father created in the mm-hmm. kingdom. Um, and she's doing it in a way where she can actually physically be out there and fix these wrongs um, rather than being stuck behind palace walls and being as sheltered as she was before. Um, so it's basically Captain Planet. Kind of, yeah. And Hawk the is p- just Hawk who's here, who has a crush on Yona. We all clearly know he does, even if he doesn't fucking realize until halfway through the freaking show uh but um you want to talk about anyway. perverts <laughs> you want to talk you, about that's not jiha um anyway. anyway so the individuals who are voicing these two characters as son hawk i'm gonna start there um we have as adult son hawk i'm gonna say because as megan brought up there is a character who has three voices and this is the one that has the three voices as son hawk we have for the adult we have Christopher Sabat, who has been in series such as Full Metal Alchemist, My Hero Academia, and Show I Rock. And as Princess Yona, we have Monica Rial, who has been in series such as Tokyo Ghoul, Drifters, and Okami-san, and her seven companions. So who wants to go first about with the, talking about these two characters? Can I go last, please? So let's go with Noah. Yay! 
okay, um, well now, um, this is, uh, hmm, well this is really mean of me, this is very mean of me, but when we first, when uh -oh. I first started watching this, and I got to Yona, my first comment in purple ink, I wrote, who let the squirrel out of her cage? Because the very first sound Ooh. is her uh, talking about, um, is her complaining about her hair not being manageable, and it's, it's this intentionally higher shriek of a voice that is not entirely reflective of uh, who Yona becomes. But Monica Rial does have this distinctly higher voice that fits well with this character because she starts out being a spoiled princess mm -hmm. in like the most spoiled sense of the word. But throughout the entire show, Monica does a good job of portraying the change of the character as she goes from... Uh, shelter princess to essentially a Robin Hood type character yes. without losing the voice though. She's got that, um, she's got kind of like a super normal voice that just sounds really youthful is the, vo is the idea I'm getting on Monica. She wasn't trying to make a super high pitched voice that's annoying. She was trying to make a young sounding character because she just turned 16 years old and she's got a lot of pep, a lot of energy that gets amped up a lot more in the comedy segments of it. And I, I had to ask myself, does it fit? Yes, because it's a quick way to establish her naivete and lack of maturity at the beginning that gets fleshed out a lot more throughout the entire show. So, and that's why Monica is the best, and that is why she has over, I forget how many voice acting credits on her a resume. Lot. It's more, more than God. Speaking of God, God. Chris Sabat. God. <laughs> transition i don't know well chris sabbat's kind of like a god in and of himself but this is a show where we don't really get we get chris voice it's got the same bass but it doesn't have any rumble to it he keeps the same low register without growling which is the kind of voice you hear in his armstrong voice his all might voice his any of his dragon ball he's in dragon ball z right Yes. Yeah. Yes, he's very I, much in Dragon Ball Z. It's a little indie show you may have heard of before called Dragon Ball Z. I I don't know, but it's <laughs> didn't they just get like some movie or something? We're getting more Dragon Ball Super, I think. Anyway, I'm jo I'm joking. No, okay. no, I I I don't think any of our listeners actually watch Dragon Ball, so we, it's good that we established that. So, anyways, yeah, Chris Abbott's he's played really straight, in the sense that uh, Yona's got more of a manic energy. Uh, even outside of the kingdom, even when Yona is um, ecstatic about be righting the wrongs of her father or learning how to shoot a bow or just trying to get the warriors together. Chris has this like straight man voice throughout the whole thing that does not get, he doesn't get um, spazzed out about anything. Like even when he's been shot with a poisoned arrow, he doesn't get super spazzed out. The only time that he breaks his straight man voice is when he turns into creeper mode, which is the only thing I object to because <laughs> it's not it's not even like he's flirting with her. He's actually like he's proud of creeping her out with the sexual advances. And I don't real I think that's a bit off from what the show was supposed to be going for. It's not so lighthearted when you've got this decidedly older guy who's making creepy references about paying him her back with her body or you don't have enough money what do you have kind of voice or the very last episode where he's contemplating about how cool it'd be to be the dark black dragon of the group it's just mm. but outside of that little bits there chris is a really good fit for this lightning beast of a character who's got a good toughness to him and you don't want to mess with him so two stellar voice actresses actors act performances 
to round out the cast. No, I'm, fuck it, I'm gonna go next. So I'm gonna start with Yona and uh, Monica's performance. Um, I'm gonna agree with Noah a lot on the points that he said, where, because the key part with Yona's character, she's the mo she's the character that has the biggest through line in terms of development, because at the start, she is this bratty, spoiled princess who the only thing she fucking cares about is how her red hair is just paying the ass to deal with and she hates it. But as time goes on and the more unsheltered she becomes and the more she sees the kingdom and the more she sees these people suffering and she wants to help these people, she wants to grow stronger and survive, you start to see a huge change and a, a huge shift in the character. It kind of works gradually and I think Monica does very well with that progression from the spoiled rich girl to this not tough as nails hardened woman, um, but this woman who wants to do something for her people. And it's it's a very interesting character through line and complexity that she has to work with. And I, I that's probably why I love the character so much because of Yona's personality and that through line and then her need and desire to learn all she can about this world that she never even knew about before. Like, she's become more grateful for the things she has. She's She learns a lot on this journey, and I love Monica's performance of that. Oh, God. Um, I'm gonna try and be as nice as humanly possible. Oh, no. Oh, thank God, I'm not the only one who's oh, alone don't, in don't this. Don't pick on the pork. Sabbath, come on. I'm gonna be as nice as humanly possible on this one. All right. Because I don't think it's a bad performance. I really don't. Um, for for Sabbath as Sunhawk, the problem I have is the fact that Sabbath is even this character at all. Hmm? That's the problem I have because Sunhawk is like probably between 18 and 20 years old. The character design, okay. while I kind of aesthetically can see it, I think it's a little too gruff in the vocal range that we're looking for here with this character, because he's still a young kid, a young guy. And mm. Sabbath has Like, a no offense, the show goes out of its way to talk about how young Hawk mm -hmm. is. That's the thing. If we didn't have that in like distinct indication made in the show, you could probably get away with it. So I didn't honestly probably could. Where like, do they? I'm sorry, but when do they point out? It's, it's fairly early on. They bring it up a lot that he's he rose to his rank at such a young well, age. I, I get that, but I I never caught that he was 18. I must have missed that part. Look, this is how I'm gonna go with it. He's clearly like he's clearly older than both Yona and Suwam based off his character design, yes. but he's also younger than Chris Bevan's character who is implied to be at least an adult when he hits on a 13-year-old Yona. He's maybe two to three years older than Yona is. So have you never... Yeah, because the, th the three of them did grow up together. They don't They don't say his age in the manga from what we understand right. or the right. anime. But the three of them, considering they do, like, Yona, Hawk, and Suwon, they grow up together, it's safe to say that Suwon and Hawk are at least closer in age range than Yona is to them. And that bugged you, it sounds like. It... It didn't really, I didn't think it meshed too well. Like, this isn't saying that Chris Sabbath's performance is downright horrendous and I hate it. I, I'm perfectly fine with it. I think it's a serviceable performance. It's just the fact that because 
of Sabbath's vocal range, voicing a younger character like this, it doesn't quite sit well with me. And what makes this worse is the fact that there is a teenage version of Son Hawk. You are taking my point! <laughs> I... If, like... What makes it worse is there, because Son Hawk has three different voices. There's baby voice, Brina Plurlencia. There's a, there's present day Chris Sabat. And then you have teenage Son Hawk, which is Zach Bolton. And if it was with, with I, I liked Zach Bolton's version of the character. And it's like, this would line up better for present day too. You know what I mean? Like, Again, I'm not saying the performance is bad. I think Sabat does a great job of what he's given. It it's just the like, care. It sounds just, like you're saying you would have cast someone who had a higher pitch voice? Not higher pitch. I would probably say less gruff. Okay. Less gruff. I think Sabat is a little too gruff for the character. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Again, I appre I, I I applaud the fact that Sabbath was able to do rather well with the character. Again, casual casual viewer of the show. I think it's a fun performance. I love it. He's he has these moments where he's snarky and like a little bit of a dick bag. I great I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Critical brain though is like it's a serviceable performance itself, but it doesn't line up with the actual character design and the age range of the character itself. That's the concern I have. And again, what makes it worse is the fact that we have a teenage version. That's what makes it worse and come off worse than what it should be. Um, but otherwise than that, I, I honestly did enjoy the performance that Sabbath gave despite that being an issue. Mm. Um, it's just my critical brain. If we didn't have yeah. the teenage version, we wouldn't have that problem. If we didn't have a different voice for the teenage version, we wouldn't be seeing this issue. <laughs> stole my point like <laughs> you and i are on the same wavelength right now but we know it's true like i i love i do like the performance it's a good performance i like it it's just considering the character design and the age range that's the main takeaway for me and that's the point that i have to really be critical on on this one um but that's just my take on it otherwise otherwise than that specific piece like both Monica and Chris, I think they did great jobs with these performances. I really do. It's just the one critical point, and unfortunately, it's it makes it turns Sabbath's performance into a bit of a hindrance rather than something extraordinary. You know what I mean? I, uh, I can't fault you for that. Yeah, that's the one contingency on it. Gigi, your thoughts on these performances? Um, I'm in the complete opposite camp of of you guys sorry Wait. is somebody okay. who is here for the trash not noah is somebody <laughs> oh. who is here for the trash oh, okay as somebody who is here complete mindset different mindset to watch and listen to some kind of romance somewhere and since hawk gets all the good romance mm -hmm. scenes and he gets all the sexy things he gets the hottest cabedon in the universe he gets a thing where he licks honey off her goddamn yep. arm he even kisses her forehead at one point that made me die on the inside it's like kiss her as, you motherfucker actually exactly. kiss her he as he gets all the hawk, best dojin too he does just saying because he's hawk hawk gets the good dojin um he needs to be a sexy alpha character <laughs> He needs to be that protag. And with Chris Sabat's voice there, 
that is what we get and that is what I want and that is what I like. It's way sexier than I thought it would be. Um I mean and I mean for, again, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. It's just unfortunately the Yeah. Doesn't fit with just, the I did actually go back and I saw the part where he was teenage hawk. Mm-hmm. If teenage hawk were hawk now, none of it would play. I would not buy it mm-hmm. at all. I would be like, uh uh-uh. uh. I would like he needs to to get some testosterone down. <laughs> to to so, Zach Bolton's because, credit, I would be very curious to know how it sounded like though if he actually played adult Hawk. Just saying. I want Hawk to be kind of a dick so, in his like aggressive aggro moments, <laughs> and then I want him to lick honey off my arm. And God damn it, if Chris Sabat's voice wasn't the honey that got licked off my arm, I don't even know what to tell you. <laughs> this is this is my shojo fantasy, like. This is our coherent male pro- alpha male mm-hmm. protagonist, yeah. as opposed to the other guy who is in the sports festival. Mm-hmm. This is, for all intents and purposes, if you're doing this like trash, what he should sound like. You're ap- I, honestly, I will agree with you on all of that. Like, if that's the intention, it works. Like, if this was the photo that I was using to choose the boy who I was calling on the phone sex hotline, <laughs> that is what I would want him to sound there like. There we go. If this is the stripper I'm ordering for the bachelorette party, <laughs> this is where it's got to go. God. If he shows up and he has high Zach Bolton voice, I'm kicking him out the door without his dollar bills. Oh, my God. That's that's mean to Zach Bolton. I don't know who Zach Bolton is. I'm sorry. I'm sure you're a wonderful person, but you're, you're not, not invited. Adult, to, huh? You're not invited to the bachelorette party. You're not invited to that's the so bachelorette mean. party. Gigi, God, God bless you and your estrogen. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what I want, and that's what I got, and I'm very okay. happy with it. Okay. As for Yona, y'all know I usually don't have a lot of great things to say because Monica Rial, with her very high-pitched voice, does something to my eardrums. But, however, the first few episodes where she had her regular little girl voice, as I like to call it, it was there. But it was there for a purpose. I loved how it morphed into the big girl voice as Yona changed and as she grew up. And as she knew, like, her purpose in life and is trying to decide how she's going to morph from being this little girl with the long red hair to this woman who's going to have to fight to save the fucking day. Who may or may not have to make a choice between dragons and hawk and whoever else like i loved that progression and i think monica rial's the only voice actress who could have done that progression justice Mm -hmm. and i really liked it the other part i really liked is in the last few episodes when she was trapped under suwan's cloak and when she was laying her head on fucking hawk's shoulder there are these little whimpering noises that she made that really helped sell the romance catch that okay there there are little tiny noises that yona made oh god her 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 like big ass cry when she sees suwan again was so good i was like it it was was a gut punch those were really good so if you're coming at this at the trash perspective Mm -hmm. which is what i wanted this show to be and what it could sort of morph into Mm -hmm. that's that's what i want out of my characters and out of my voices like i i couldn't have even if it were ian sinclair could not have seen ian sinclair as hot yeah no i couldn't even that's not the broado yeah no it's basically kind of like what I was saying before. Casual viewer me, I'm like, this Sabbath works. I'm okay with it. Yeah. It's critical version of me, though, is like, there's a 
slight issue, oh, you know what I mean? Well, boy! Criti critical trash version of me the, says perfect. See, trash version of you. There's even your if this right were there. David Wald, who is very similar in tone to this, David Wald, dripping with sex as he <sighs> is, could not have pulled this off the way that Chris Sabat did. I am in complete disagreement. That's fine. How do we you always can. do that? I mean, it's always Gigi and me, all and right, then Mark right. and Megan. All right, Megan, all right. what do we got? All right, let's get Yoda out of the way, because like I said when I was talking about Yuna, like, in the order of the last four characters, who I do, uh, <laughs> Suwon would be number one, Yuna would be number three, Yona would be my number two, because when I was coming into this, I actually thought I wasn't going, because I remember when I watched the, the, the dub originally, back when the dub came out, I remember just immediately switching back to the sub after a week or two. Mostly because I was like, I wonder what the fuck happened. <laughs> um, I was like, no, this is way too good to just, like, Again, weird starting place for the dub, but anyway. Weird starting place. Because um, I was like, hell, I'm already, like, 12 episodes into the show. Fuck it, I'm going to keep going. Um, no, I, I think I agree completely in that. I think the other reason was, I think I, I had asked Monica at a con, like, why, why like, how was it playing Yona? And I, I, I don't remember 100%, but I think the other aspect that she really brought to Yona was that she also got to write yes. Yona. So she knows Yona better than everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think that being the writer of the show helped her performance a lot because I think that she got to know a lot of the emotional intricacies of Yona. And I like that you hear her as kind of like big girl Monica as the narrator. Yes. And it's something that I also like about another character who uh, Noah will understand if I say the words Maiden Abyss narrator. <laughs> um, why I enjoy that performance yeah. a lot. Um but I, I do agree that Monica starts off really high-pitched at the beginning, but that's because Yona's a spoiled little squirrel brat mm -hmm. who hasn't, who, who probably couldn't tell you the difference between a cantaloupe and a watermelon. Um, she sounds like a dumb, a dumb, spoiled, little rotty, like, she literally doesn't even know how to get up on a horse. Like, come on, guys. Um, True facts. And I think that she, she, the one aspect I really enjoy about her Yona is the Yona that goes through the trauma and the nightmares that she plays. Because Yona's got some straight-up PTSD, yeah. guys. Uh, like, those episodes where she's going through the woods with Hawk, and she's just, like, comatose. Yeah. Those like, early episodes. And she's got the oh, yeah. leeches on her. It's really good. and it's Which is why I like when she shows up at the Wind Village, um, and she says her goodbyes to uh, Michaela really gets me, and I, I just really enjoy the... And I didn't expect myself to just when I when I sat and I watched the dub in full again after a couple of years be like you know what yeah no I really do like Monica as as Yona. That being said, uh, kid gloves off. Mm. Boy howdy, I agree with stuff. Chris, if I was a casual viewer, I would have no issues with Christopher mm -hmm. Sabat as uh, as as Hawk. Being someone who hears a lot of Chris Sabat roles and has for a majority of her anime watching life, I could not for the life of me shake that Hawk sounded like Small Might. Yeah. And All Might, Small Might slash All Might is in his 40s. Hawk sounded 10 years too old for me. And that bothers me. Because Hawk isn't that old and Hawk is supposed to sound young and attractive. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Here's the thing. I also agree with stuff that given the chance, I think Zach Bolton could have done it because I have heard Zach Bolton do deeper voices. Granted, Gigi does bring up a point that she does. It, Zach Bolton may not be sexy enough. 
I will agree because I think the, the, the Zach Bolton performance I immediately lash onto is Clavis <laughs> from Death Parade and he kind of a twink. I mean, I mean to Zach oh, Bolton's yeah. credit because because we haven't heard him try like a sexy performance before, I would welcome the and chance. Zach Bolton doesn't really do a lot of acting lately. No, like I would I would welcome the chance for Zach Bolton to give it a shot, you Which know. Which is weird because he's in Morose Mononokian now, as I say yeah. this. Um, great. But you know who you know who was around Funimation at this point in time and can kind of do a sexy voice? And I think Gigi very openly splooged about him last Uh-oh. year. And guess what? He can do a kind of younger guy sexy voice. I've watched Fairy Tale. Hi, Chris Wakecamp is a human being oh, that exists. Yeah. Oh. Ooh, okay. I couldn't. Master. Not here. Not here. I could. I could because I've listened to him Ooh. in other shows I mean, where he can do it. Because Under the Clouds was, did precede this, this one. It's true. And Tenka I... is about the same age as Hawk, but he's less doofy. And Hawk is less doofy than Tenka. And you know Ooh. who else is really good? And here's the thing. You know who else is really good in that show? Who's okay? No, wait. Dave Charles goes. Dave Charles goes kind of more on the twink scale in clouds, but um. <laughs> but I mean, you to cannot Dave put Hulk on credit, the twink he, scale. To Dave Trosko's credit, he has played like the mature sounding characters before, though. So look, I'm not saying that Chris Sabat's performance is god awful. Scum right. of the earth needs to be burned and, and and cut from the ground. Look, and I can understand that when he needs to turn on the sex appeal, he yes. has it. He has it in some of the dramatic yeah. moments. This is not a a technically bad performance or a technically casual viewer performance or a trash performance that is bad. Look, it's there. There have been way more egregiously badly cast people in sexy roles. Like, trust me. You could do a lot we, we've worse. We've actually covered some of them on past Valentine's and some episodes. of the worst yes. episodes. I mean, God, the cast of Amnesia exists. Ah. Um, we, we take no... Um, Blake Shepard, she's not talking about you, Blake. Not no. you, Blake. You're fine. Um, Blake, you get the pass. Um, it's just another thing of, like I said at the beginning of the episode, just directional choices that just... It's that double-edged sword of casting. I think Sabbath's actually kind of an out-of-the-box casting for Hawk. I really don't think I would have ever expected I, and Sabbath I think, to be. I think at that Hawk. time, too, it was one of those instances where you don't really hear this kind of character for Sabbath at all. For, for Sabbath at all. like It's it's like, look, I understand. And I understand that a lot of people really do like it. And like I said, it's not going to like, it's not like a, this is so awful, I need to switch back to the subtitle no, we're no, I mean, the, it's not. The fact that it is so outside of what you would expect for the not just the age range, but also the type of show this is, because th- this is not, even though there's appeal for us, you know, more testosterone-based people, I get the feeling that this was originally intended for more of a female audience. I'm sorry if that... No, shit, no, Sherlock. Shit. Not exactly, because uh-huh. su- it's a little subtle, so maybe I could be wrong, but... Okay, so... Like, fa- like, just... Like, I- like, look, I can completely understand liking him, but I, I agree a lot more with Steph, where I feel like there were other actors. I don't think any of the people who were any of the dragons would have fit, um, but I do just find it very, very interesting that they went with Sabbath and they had Sabbath do this performance. Again, I don't think it's bad. I just, it's just... That's actually, bring, that brings up a good point a little... that I, I, one of the reasons I like Sabbath is because he does contrast the dragons all very well, because the dragons all have yeah. tenor voices, yeah, that is what that is. That is a good thing that you you do need an actor that's more down in the baritone. Uh, uh, it makes the it, it does make for a good get, dynamic. It's true. Exactly, and then you contrast that with Yoon, who's even higher than all the dragons. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing, though. You can also achieve that factor without ma like making the character sound older than See, he is. That's, uh, again, I'm so used to characters... Okay, you have all of these actors who are all over the range in terms of their ages portraying characters who are all over. Yeah, and I understand that, but a lot of them can also, when they when they need to, they can turn it down. I just didn't think that Chris could, uh, Chris did in this case. It's not that Chris yeah. can't. It's just I don't feel as a I, as a critic that he has done it. And just to be fair, because people are going to be like, oh, well, you like certain other characters too. Look, just to be fair, and we brought his name up before... Look, I love the shit out of Kuroko in a basket, but there is no way in hell that Junichi Tsubabe sounds like a fucking high schooler. Look, if I absolutely if I absolutely hated it, I would have said the words fuck this yes. right. It's it's one like, of those, look, it's one of those it's, situations. It's not a hate thing, but it's also one of those like, hey, this isn't a performance right. in the show I find particularly higher than the rest yes, of the other performances. That's of the exactly show. it. If you are a casual viewer with absolutely zero attachment of two zero You're attachment to Yona fucking of the Dawn. You're gonna love the shit out of and it. And I mean, there are moments. That, and me, I, think, I know there are I, moments. Where and I, I honestly, it. yeah, there are moments in the performance that I I love, like stuff. And look, this is not me saying like "fuck you, Chris Sabat, you're no, an awful actor, no, 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 hell no, no, out no. of game." No, I immensely respect Chris Sabat. I think Chris Sabat is one of the best voice actors in the game. I I fucking love mm -hmm. the shit out of the man. I think the man's brilliant. It's just every so often you get a performance from an actor that you're just like, I'm not feeling mm -hmm. it. But at the end, of, at the end of the day, like. Given the kind of show this is, given the kind of character that Hawk is supposed to be, I think Sabbath is perfectly fine. It's a ser very serviceable performance. It's just on the critical spectrum of it, it just doesn't quite mesh well with the character's age range and the character type to be to an extent. It's, I think we've been at this argument. We've been at this argument for a while. Bottom line, clearly we all love Leona, and we're pretty split on Sabbath as Hawk, for sure. Um, though, again, critical brain versus casual brain, two different conversations entirely. But on that note, I think we need to, we really need to wrap this up. We've been at this forever. Um, Alright, final thoughts, I'll do really, I'll start Oh, actually, right. sorry, final, we can't finish um, this. Oh, we're gonna have to do this in a second season. Sorry, guys, tune in next time for a second season of Dub Talk Covers, Yona of the no, Dawn. Uh, now with more, Gen now with more Geno. Now with now more Geno. <laughs> um, anyway, more Geno. Megan, your quick final thoughts. Sure, uh, I'll be really quick with this. I think this is a good dub. I think this is a dub that Ket is, at points, great, but also very baffling. If you are super attached to the sub of this show, I could see you being a person that can take or leave this. Um, I do think the dub makes it very enjoyable to watch. I am still really baffled by certain direction choices. I am still... its This is just one of those things. I would love to have a more in-depth process of why they chose to do this show starting at episode... Around episode... I think they started, what, 12 Probably or 13? 13, if I had to guess. Okay. Why they started it, like, not with, a, not with a seasonal core break, but, like, in just the middle of the show. I think that if I have to critique one thing uh, in the general simuldub process, this is literally, bar none, one of the stupidest decisions they ever made as yep. a simuldub. I'm not gonna lie. This could have been saved for home video. I, I love Yona to death. I love Yona dearly. This was not something that should have been a simuldub. Period. Or if it was, they should have started I, from the beginning. Uh, beginning. You should start it from the fucking beginning. Like, I don't think anyone would have given a shit that you started at episode one and not episode mm -hmm. 12. Honestly, like, what the fuck? It is a detriment not only to your... It was honestly a detriment to 
people watching the dub, because guess what? People who are dub-only watchers, starting from episode 12, isn't even good for them. You're expecting them to go halfway into a story that is incredibly character-driven. The fuck, y'all? That being said, if you're watching it from the home video perspective, this dub is completely fine. I would actually encourage you to watch the show Subder Dub because I think it is one of the best shoujo shows that has come out and one of the best products that Perot has put out, period, as a studio. Uh, that being said, that's my final thoughts. Who wants to go next? I'll go ahead on this one. All right, no, your final thoughts, please. So, um, I'm a guy. <laughs> no shit! No shit! Are you sure? I think. I could be wrong, but I think. Are you going to have to check? <laughs> I might have to check, but in the meantime. <laughs> so, as, coming at this from the hetero male perspective on this, this was the kind of show that I didn't... I, I expected more of a romance out of this, and it's not really that. It's a... Let, let's have a girl be the lead character, you know, a strong, independent woman with a lot of hot guys around her for everyone to latch on to. You'll get a different person on this. So adapting that into a dub, there's a lot more leeway in terms of how serious the acting has to be or how up to snuff it has to be in terms, like, we're not allowed some silliness in this. And there is some silliness in this. Like, this really, in watching it, didn't really remind me of a 2010s kind of show. It reminded me more of, like, a 60s anime comedy like the kind of stuff from the speed racer days or the huh, romiko okay. takahashi kind of shows like i haven't seen all of um yurisa yatsura <laughs> but it kind of reminded me of the comedy of that you know with murder thrown in there for good measure so it's, why not actually adapting this in here this was very accessible uh coming at this from a male perspective this was an extremely accessible kind of show very easy to marathon no filler in there so we're not waiting and waiting for stuff to happen there's always some one's character being developed the characters interact off each other very well which is one thing i didn't really get to point out but even though every actor is performing in a booth by themselves with no one person to go up against all of their interactions sounded really good when they're heated up against each other you've got Oh, yeah, no, the show has an amazing yeah, ensemble. I'm speaking of this as just an ensemble. The bit parts, yeah, we can kind of give and take uh, whether or not they're well cast or whether the voices are what they should have been. But as an ensemble, they work together really well. It's the kind of adventure that you would like to join into. Like, you want to watch these freedom fighters go out and do their thing while also just having fun with each other. And that's why I know a lot of people are pissed off that there was not a second season of it because there's obviously a lot more material there and a lot of demand for that. So mm -hmm. even though it's supposed to be a Valentine's episode where Noah gets thrown to the dungeon and is tortured with content that he's not enjoying because there's like 12 brothers that want to bang their sister, this is <laughs> not this is not that, that bad. Like Gigi says this is shoujo trash. I don't think this is trash. I think this is high quality smut because we're all here for the hot guys, high but we're having fun at the same time. Th this is top tier. This is top tier booze smut. And that is just like... Mm, that is my aesthetic. Top, Top shelf. shelf. Okay. Gigi, your final thoughts on Yon of the Dawn's dub, please. Boy, I sure love Fushigi Yugi 2015. God damn it. Uh, like I said, uh, you can love or hate this show. I'm kind of in the middle with it. It's not trashy enough for me. Yeah. And I wanted to like it more than I did. The dub, though, I really kind of enjoyed. And I... It's what I would have expected. Ooh, I just hit Bond 110 with Ren. <laughs> nice. Um, it's what I would have expected for a shoujo reverse harem romance dub, which what is to say it has a little bit of campiness in it. Um, has a lot of varied 
characters and character voices and you have to have them be distinct enough to tell them apart if you're not actually looking at the TV, which they seem to do pretty well. Dub-wise, very, very passable. Anime-wise, I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I didn't hate it. I actually kind of really liked it, and I would rather watch it dubbed than subtitled. So that's good to say for me. Uh, wish this dub would have happened 20 years ago with Fushi Yugi. <laughs> Yona the Dawn needs more magic. Oh my god. Right. Seriously. Ser if you, seriously, if you fucking love Fushigi Yugi, it is the exact same show, minus the magic book. Switch China for Korea and leave a lot of the rapey stuff out. Oh god. Alright. I guess that leaves me. Um, so the show itself, the, like, the, the series itself, I'm gonna say, this franchise, Yona the Dawn, I really, really love it. Um, from a perspective of I love the anime series and I really love the manga and have been reading the manga. I need to catch up a bit though. But um, I love I love this little series called Yon of the Dawn to pieces. It's probably one of my favorite shoujo romances stories that I've read or seen in a long time. Um, that being said, um, obviously disappointment comes in that there's no second season. Obvious is obvious. But in terms of the dub, it is an early broadcast dub. It is a little rough around the edges. However, I have to give credit to some of the fun casting that happens, some of the f fun and amazing performances that do occur. But I also, but again, casual me is like, absolutely, this is an amazing dub. You'll love it. Critical me, there are flaws with this. Um, and it is, it does hold it back from a critical standpoint from being an amazing series but if you're just watching it casually you're gonna love every aspect of it regardless like yeah. from the from the casual standpoint i love this dub it's so much fun <laughs> like I, I i love i love babby yoon i don't fucking care what anyone <laughs> says cliff is yoon in my heart and it's adorable as shit but again we get it megan was being a bitch this no episode. no no you ha you have solid points and i mean again i sided with you quite a bit on those too like, I, I love that. Please don't hate me, Cliff. Ca casual, casual me. Baby Yoon is amazing. Hawk is fantastic. Critical me. It's like, I don't know. There are aspects that where my brain critically is like, I don't know how to feel about this. It seems like there are there are flaws. This dub has flaws. The produ the production of the dub itself. I'm gonna agree with Megan. This should never have been a broadcast dub. And if it was, it never should have started smack dab in the middle of it. Not even the slightest. Like, you either should have started from the beginning or saved for home video release. Obviously, that is not in the control of the actual production, the directors, or anything like that. That is not under their control, so we can't fault them for that. Yeah, no. Me saying that, me saying that is not a, a, a shot at Colleen Whoa. or Clifford. This, no, that, that's not that is not control. a shot at them. No, that is a shot straight that's, at Funimation. Like, that is, like, something like that, that's not in their control. It comes from higher up above them. <laughs> like, it's not their yeah, fault. No, this is aimed at the people above him that, and and probably potentially Perot who thought this was a good fucking mm -hmm. idea. Like, potentially. We don't know how far up that goes. And honestly, to be fair, I feel the same way about Tokyo Glory. Shouldn't have been yeah. a simul dub. No offense, shouldn't have been no. a fucking simul dub. But um, at the end of the day, if you are a casual anime fan, you're going to love this. I, lo I love the show, and I do love the dub. 
Like, wholeheartedly, I do. It is so much fun, even with me being critical of certain aspects of it. What, what um, I'm getting out of this is that the fact that both you and Me both Lilac and Megan are much more fans of the sh of the franchise, I don't know, reading the manga yes. to it, makes you more critical of this production here, whereas Gigi and myself, who are just more casual viewers of this entire franchise and aren't reading the manga, enjoy it for what it is as a standalone anime. So that seems to be dividing our opinions of the some of the performances a little bit here that actually probably has a lot to do with it yeah in all honesty yeah and that's granted i was also i'm also a huge big fan of the ancient megas bride uh anime uh manga and franchise and i i, I mean i mean even then as some, uh, even if i had another had another show where something been... bad happens to a redheaded anime <laughs> character god damn it no i mean like even even if i didn't even read the manga for yona i would still be critical about some of the stuff from the anime and the dub itself i would okay. still be critical in all honesty I um, but but at the end of the day it, i do enjoy the dub i love it to pieces i just for the sake of criticism and critical points I, they have to be made in all honesty yeah, um but honestly so. you should go watch the show i love the show i love this please, please watch, watch the show, show. Like, it's so much fun. And if you are interested in seeing Yon of the Dawn for yourself, um, there are a couple ways to view this show. Primarily, you can watch the show over on Funimation now, where they do have the uh, English and the Japanese versions. I am shedding right now. Um, on their streaming service, they do have a 14-day free trial, uh, which, as your usual reminder, if because they do ask for credit card information. Um, if you do not wish to keep the service, you will have to cancel the subscription or they will take money from your account. The other way to watch the series is through home video. As of right now, the recording of this episode, Yon of the Dawn is split into two sets, set one and two. However, there is a complete version in coming to be soon to be released in the future. I think, let me, I'll, I think it's out already. We can just put it in the comments, but if, if, yeah, and you can also watch the sub on Crunchyroll. Oh, it's, it's still, still up there. there. Okay. Uh, yes, because they they I think they I think like I said at the beginning they they co-licensed. Uh -huh, yes. Um. Anyway, but that's how you can go and watch the show. Please watch the show. It's a good show. I love it. Um. If you're interested in anything that us four idiots do, um. <laughs> the answer is yes. The complete version okay, is so out. Okay, it is out. Okay, perfect. Where all of it's all on one 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 set. Yes, okay. It's all in one. It's all uh, good to it's know. Out. Um. But yeah, if you're interested in anything that the four of us idiots tend to do, um, you can follow all of us on our various social medias, Twitters, and stuff like that. I'm at Lalic Anime Review with Reviewing Spot RDVUE. Noah is at Noah Clue. Megan is at Queen Era 2. And Gigi is at Anime Palooza. Uh, Gigi and Noah also have their own YouTube channels. Channels. Gigi is Anime Palooza. Noah is Journey Traveler, where they do a variety of different things. Um, I have my blog, lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com, where I haven't updated in a while and I'm horrible at it. And Megan is... Megan is Megan. I just hang out. On, Megan just is hang Megan, out. and we Me love her for it. Um, if you want to follow anything that the Dub Talk podcast does in general, the primary way to do so is you're already here on YouTube. Please subscribe to us here um, we're, and listen to our weekly shenanigans, uh, or sometimes bi-weekly, well, no, not not bi-weekly, sometimes twice a week shenanigans. You never know what goes on around here. Um, we get into some crazy bullshit. <laughs> I'm trying to enunciate, but it's also like midnight. And unique I go New to York, bed. New York unique. Blah, blah, blah. Um, we also are on other various social media. We are on Twitter, Tumblr, Twitch, and Instagram, all at Dub Talk Podcast. And with that, I believe our annual Valentine's Day episode is over. <laughs> I so kept my Oudapri tears. 
four percent my Spanish run. Yay! <laughs> this is the most serious, serious. On other good news. You know what? I'll say it right now. This is the most serious episode for Valentine's that we ever yeah. did, and I appreciate it. And Gigi, for your sake, for surviving this seriousness, I'll fucking watch. Yeah, <laughs> that's that love, Peach right girl there. Next year. I, I might have found a better one. Oh, what? What? We'll wait. It has to come out yet. Oh, really? Is the is it is it getting a dub? I don't know yet. It hasn't come out yet, <laughs> so we will see if it gets a dub. All right. There is a better one. All right. It- say say what it is. Oh, oh no! I think I know what you're. I think I know what you're thinking of. <laughs> that that's a. So yeah, Valentine's Day is over. I don't know what we're gonna be doing with our significant others at this stage in in the game. Like I don't even fucking know. But we are we, three out of four of us are probably we, gonna uh, be fucking. <laughs> we Megan, and it ain't Megan, me. Megan, we're going to talk about cuddling it's, and saying nice things of each other and watching romantic movies. In the words of Pro ZD, oh they fucking. <laughs> I'm going that's out a, the week before Valentine's Day, so that's what it's all oh, about. God. I'm I'm just gonna just I'm gonna go to bed. Uh, the, yeah, happy Valentine's Day, you motherfuckers! Go get thank yourself you some chocolate covered strawberries. Thank and you for I listening to our shenanigans. Le- thank you for listening to our shenanigans, and have a good night, Otaku, my friends. And it, love your faces. If you are single, just know that you got a friend in all of us, but we will not share our significant others. <laughs> Sorry, boo. <laughs> Sorry. And remember, kids, if you want to get, if you want to get to a girl's heart, just dump a bunch of honey on her hand and lick, 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 like she's a tootsie roll pop. Finger licking good. God, one thousand percent, Maji love. Good night, everyone.